0: Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Simon Sweetman. My thanks, as always, to uh, Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat, and Yeasty Boys. And uh, here I had a conversation with Wellington-based publisher and writer Mary McCullum. She's uh, she's a poet. Uh, she's been a poet almost all her life but she's just put out her first book of poetry The XYZ of Happiness Uh, so she reads a few poems from that throughout this conversation Uh, prior to that she'd published a novel and also a a, a children's book Um, and for the last five or so years she's um She's run a thing called Makaro Press. They they believe in publishing poetry. They also publish non-fiction, um, novels, uh, all sorts of things actually, but uh, a few memoirs as well. But they do a really fantastic series called the Hoopla series of poetry, where they where they take a, a brand new poet, an emerging sort of semi known poet, and then a very well established poet, and they release a, a, a matching designed books. By the three of them simultaneously, so they go around the country and do shows and readings, and and you can buy this series each year. There's a new set from a new set of poets, um, and I really like that series. Um, Mary's also a songwriter. She's in a band called The Brooklands, and um, and I've known her work for a while, and then I've, I've I guess uh, I've I've known her a little bit over the last couple of years because we um, we sort of bump into each other at at, at gigs. We share a fa- uh, we share a favourite band. Mary's son Paul is one of the members of the band into orbit. Now into orbit we're a um, ian and paul they're a duo they were on the podcast way back i think about episode 13 and uh i think that's where i first met mary i knew her work i'd seen her name she's been a published journalist and broadcaster she's done all sorts of things over the years and so i knew who she was but um then i found out that you know as i say we share this this, this thing in common that we both really like the band into orbit uh paul her son works with her as part of macro press and they have just formed a new company um the cuba press and so that's uh that's another publishing wing. So we got together and had this conversation about not just Mary's writing work, but the publishing work and the publishing industry and journalism and writing. It's a big old chat, this one, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, talked about a lot of things that you know that, that, uh, I, are really important to me that I'm really interested in, music and books and publishing and words and writing and, and life. Um, so I hope you, uh, you enjoy this. I, I certainly did, and it was, uh, it was great. Uh, honor and privilege and a thrill to have Mary round to the house for a couple of hours to to talk through all of this stuff. So uh, this is me talking with Wellington poet and publisher Mary McCullum. You are or have been a novelist, uh, a journalist, a publisher, an editor, an author, (laughs) uh, a musician, a songwriter, all of these sorts of things, a broadcaster.
1: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So I, I wonder, can we go, should we start at the start and go all the way back? I want to find out where okay. you grew up and how you got involved in
1: yeah.
0: journalism and the arts. So let's go there.
2: Okay, so um, grew up in, mostly in Wellington. Yeah. Um, we came to New Zealand when I was a four-year-old from Bermuda. Yeah. My father was a journalist. Yeah. And my mother was a librarian. And um, before that, they were living in Africa, where I was born in Zambia. Wow! So it sounds exotic. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. What's your connection with <laughs> What's your connection with those two places
2: outside? Not know? really. I mean, it's in my the back of my mind yeah. that I was born in Africa and, yeah. uh, and Zambia. It sounds very exotic. Yes. The last poem in my poetry book is called Zambia. Yeah. Great because it was an alphabetical. You know, alphabetical titles. Yeah. How do I finish this? Oh, that's So right that, that was that was <laughs> one I wrote yeah. just to do that yes. job. Whereas some of the others just happened to have the the appropriate title. Yeah. Um, but Zambia, yes, it's kind of it's that thing in my background. I guess two things. One, it's very much informs my parents. I think having lived in mm, Africa, mm, mm. I think anyone who's lived there has a has something that they share. There's the sense of having been in this enormous and complex continent. Mm. And um, the sense of that, of being there, living there, working there, um, often at, at, at turbulent times, certainly for my parents, it was the, the time for independence for what was northern Rhodesia becoming Zambia. And they're making a decision to get out, you know, because it was a bit tricky. And uh, so that's when they moved to Bermuda. So there's that exotic kind why of were they? Why were they there? So uh, Okay, so they both wanted adventure, I think. And my mother was a policewoman. And Where did they start their lives? In England, and Mum. Were, yeah. So Mum was English, north yeah. of England, um, see him. And my dad, um, I guess we call him a bit of a mongrel. So he, yeah. um, he was born in, <laughs> in Athens to a, an English father and a Greek-French mother. Uh, Cretan, I should say. Yeah, now that yeah. um, I talk more to Greeks, she's definitely a Cretan. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he lived there during the war. He was a refugee, escaping to Egypt, and then went all through Africa, ended up in South Africa, and then moved up to England, um, where he did the rest of his growing up, and also um, decided he wanted to go to Africa at like the age, I think, eighteen. Yeah. I think um, to be a policeman. You know. Yeah. In a, At the time, so he was, it was a colonial thing, you sent police over there to do the job, and he particularly loved being a mounted policeman, he was on horseback. Yeah. Um, But they did a number of jobs there, and they met in in northern Rhodesia, as it then was, and fell in love, and then had me. Got married then, had
0: me. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then, and, and... um why Bermuda, apart from oh, so to get out of Zambia? To but get
2: out, the, and there was a job going. Right. As he'd moved from being a policeman to... Um, at that stage to being a journalist yeah. as one does you know as one can <laughs> logical <do.
0: laughs> very logical yeah. now it's actually and, probably more likely to be the opposite the other way around journalists are probably more likely to get a job as a police Yeah, I'm not officer. sure well, I
2: think he's a good writer I guess he must have been he Yeah, decided he'd like to do that Like you know I can't remember I've read his memoir and that's so escaped me as a number of things did escape me yeah. I, I wrote a poem about him in the book called Notorious Veins yeah. and just before it went to print I said Dad, oh, you better have a look at this because I thought he, he was aware it was going in. Yeah, and he read it, and I got all the stuff wrong about him. Like <laughs> really wrong. I was straightforward.
0: So fa- I'd read it. the memoir and he was like, but you know, in
2: your head you've yes. got these other stories. Of, yeah, well, you've got right. these stories of your parents' lives. You've got lives. Your,
0: your version he, of the story. Your version, which yeah. is
2: muted over years of listening yes. and half-listening and yeah. half-reading and all of that. But yeah, so he got the job as a journalist. My mother had got a job as a librarian. He'd made her leave the police force mm. because it was a bit dangerous then. Um, and so they both... He applied and got a job with the Bermuda Sun, I'm pretty sure it's called, although given the mistakes I made in that poem about him, (laughs) it could be called anything, Bermuda Moon. No, I'm pretty sure it was a Bermuda Sun. And we went there. They were were adventurous people, they still are. If they could do a lot more travelling, they probably still would, but they, they're living in Waikanae and it's a bit more difficult now. Dad, yeah, Dad particularly has got restless legs, as it were, but they've always been on for it, Mum and Dad, for yeah, travel.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's been my background. Even when we were in New Zealand, we moved house a lot. And then we, uh, when I was nine, we went back to England for a couple of years and then came back again. Mum yeah. Mum was also became a writer um, out of out of librarian work, yeah. library work, yeah. um, started writing herself. And um, When we arrived here... Yeah, he. I think they felt they'd done their time in Bermuda. And um, we'd ha- I, you know, a brother had been born there, my brother Peter. And they thought, I think, yeah, it's a small place. And yeah. they needed to, and I think it was, you have to think about your kids' schooling and the various things. So they thought, ooh, South Pacific, paradise, New Zealand, you know. And oh, so um, they
0: were sold on that? Yeah.
2: yeah. So it was a little, um, they arrived here in the middle of winter um, and settled into a temporary home in Island Bay, southerly screaming up mm. the main road there, and it wasn't quite the Pacific paradise they <laughs> yeah. In fact, when they got off Didn't the match ship... the brochure. <laughs> no, no. When they got off the ship, nearly everyone else stayed on to go to Australia, mm. where it was next going, and they were, they were, hmm, mm. so, and you're getting off your why? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Dad, because I've got a job. And his job was with the New Zealand Broadcasting Company, working, it was early days, you know, working in television mm. and um, radio. You did both then, mm, so mm. you do you know you do story for radio, and then you dash down the road of television. that was my understanding mm. um and you know he was there with people like Lindsay Shelton, and Johnston people like that and um it was fun, exciting, mm. you can still hear him often you know when we have the annual um when we remember the um Wahine storm, they usually play something with Dad speaking on it, and mm. he's introducing the reporter who's then out there in the field doing the ter- reports on that terrible tragedy mm, mm. Um, so yeah we got here when I was four and I guess yeah sort of did I went to school and uh, as I say back to England for a couple of years came back um, yeah and that was and grew up Wellington you know living in Karori going to Karori normal school going to Wellington Girls yeah. going to Victoria University of Wellington very yeah. boring then yeah. in a way that trajectory but I loved each of them <laughs> in their own well, way well
0: well, yeah, but what was exciting for you in that trajectory while it was <laughs> yeah. happening? Like you can you can you can write that off and say that that was boring, and I understand that. And but what was exciting about it for you? What were you discovering that got yeah. you through those days? What was cool? Um, what were you into? What
2: was cool? Really, really. I suppose the thing my passion always is books, reading, yeah. words. Yeah. So, so from about the age of eight or nine, I was writing poems, which I I thought were. I, I called poems. I remember sitting down, I'm going to write a poem. I wrote it, showed it to mum. I don't know, they were they were a bit rhymey and about, you know, people I didn't even know, you know, no, no sort of concrete mm. detail, just made mm. up stuff about old oh, mm. men and birds was one I had in my head. Although the first one I wrote was about the sun and I remember vividly that experience of, it was at Karori West Normal School, and I think it was Miss Mackerel, the teacher. She had a big bouffant blonde mm. hairstyle and little tunic shift dresses. It was, you know, the late 60s. And she made us go outside, lie on the warm, I hope it was, concrete, close our eyes and look up at the sun and just, you know, let our, clear our heads and then mm. start, you know, sit up and start writing. And so I wrote this poem about... Um, something about the sun was a part, and blue was it all and I said to the sun you're the love of it all it was weird mm, like mm. what was that about anyway mm. it was something about the warmth and the sun but that is vivid to me that first poem and the joy of capturing something in language
0: and there's something in that I uh, just hearing you say that, that you know and that might not be exactly how yeah. it was but just hearing what you said there's something in that that has stayed in your work. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah, your, your way of looking at things Yeah. Is, is somehow in that and still in your, you know, it's still there.
2: Yeah, that's true. You know, it is interesting if you look at this collection yeah, of yeah. poetry, which I finally after, you know, 50 years later after yeah, that experience yeah. got this out, I got a little chapbook out a few years ago. Yeah. This is the first published collection for me, despite... Yeah poems being published in various journals and yes. various bits and bobs, this is it, it and it, you're right, there's, when I think about it, what, I'm trying to think about elements in the poems that are the same, and there's constantly there is, you're right, light, brightness, mm. um, yellow mm. features, mm. I know, it's, a, I think it's, it's the all. Elements
0: of nature, yeah, nature, yeah. yes.
2: But also, it's a positive thing, yes. and, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, in fact, I sourced, when I, I, I wrote something recently about that first poem experience for Paula mm. Green for her online blog, and I, as I wrote, I realized that there was something kicking around there too, this story my father used to tell me about a fish who used to look up in the sky and see this beautiful hat there, and he wanted to have this beautiful hat mm. for himself. Mm. Why a fish would want a hat, I don't know. <laughs> now I think about it, but I didn't question it then. And it's, But it's the sun, it's yeah. not a hat at all. yeah, yeah. And I can't even quite remember the ending. I'm sure it was happy. But Dad used to read it to me, and I guess there's a whole lot of things around that. One, that story, looking up colour, brightness and all of that. But there's that thing of reading with my father, Mm. who has this lovely, deep, rich voice and reads beautifully. And a very that whole thing is when you're a child of being read to and the joy of language and the reading voice Mm. in your ear, isn't it? They talk about that as being critical to children engaging with books, Mm. don't they? Mm. My mother was a fantastic reader too. So, and they read to us a lot. And I think so. There's all of that wrapped up for me of being read to and the love of language, which was certainly in my home. You know, in, in my, but but it, I think it's looking with my father too. There was always this thing, particularly this, looking at the the best of things, being optimistic and positive, whatever. Mm. And I think that's the sort of the track in my head. You know, even when things aren't good, what? how do you move forward? You yeah, know? I
0: mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this a bit later, mm. but the X, Y, Z of happiness or the X, Y, Z of happiness is, is the title of your yeah. collection, mm. and yet <clears throat> not everything in the book is happy, no. but it's kind of like an overall philosophy around these. These are the things that make up a life, or these are some of the little glimpses of yeah. of
2: life. And um, it's true. Yeah. Um, yes. You it, know, it's true. I think, I think that's right. I, I sort of I've been thinking a lot about that, how it all came about, really, in a sense. But it is that idea that I think happiness doesn't stand alone. Mm, that it, it, it only it's born is of there. situations, yeah. and
0: so it doesn't just come from up no a whole lot of little happy experiences it it comes yeah. out of sometimes quite the opposite yeah and,
2: and i think it needs framing yes by, yeah. for, for us to recognize it like imagine yeah. if there was only that yeah. happiness in this sort of lit square sunny thing would we notice it or we name it would, mm. would it be the thing it is i guess i just feel like the framing which is often of, of you know the, the frame is often of things that are sad if not tragic um uh, it's unhappiness, it's a whole lot of things that aren't quite right, but out of it, you know, are, are, the, good, are the other things the good things. And mm. sometimes that sadness or tragedy can um, lead to happiness, or mm. the, actually mm. lead you there. And I've mm. got, here. Yeah, there's a poem in here um and x y z of happiness yes z, right. Yeah, yeah yeah but in, in here um well, I
0: the, did say that first yeah, I, I know, was just you did. given the option I know of the, actually, of the I actually had mind yeah. let's do
2: z but yeah. the, the the thing is i mean there are a number yeah, where the, where the clearly they they're not Very happy situations. Yes. But there's always a sort of kernel of happiness. There's something in there tied up, just even a moment. Mm. um, Like a friend. Do you want to read one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking. Well, there's a couple where I was thinking about that, where that happens. One is um, Love the Glove, where. My friend is moving house after her husband has died and I'm helping her. And it's the most sad thing. It's terribly, terribly sad and difficult for her because she's Mm. got to clean all this stuff out of the cupboard and his shoes out of the cupboard as well as all the family things. But there's this moment that's like a big spurt of happiness when she and I are sort of taking loads of junk to the tip and junking Mm. it and just sort of laughing and having that, you know, you yeah, just can't yeah, yeah. get away from it. Yeah. I, I just had this vivid memory of those times of us laughing in this packed car, my bloody old <laughs> Honda Odyssey, full of junk, and yeah. like clearing it out and this young guy at the other end going, what the hell's all this? And there we go. But there's that one, but there's one I'd like to read is, um, well, This it's a three-part poem about Harriet Rowland, who I guess was one of the strong threads in the book in the sense Mm. of why write about happiness. And early on in my press, Makaro Press, which I formed over about five and a half years ago, um, we put out and published the book, The Book of Hat, by Harriet Rowland, mm. who was twenty at the time, and she'd been posting a blog about having cancer, and she didn't know how it would go, but she had the cancer. She was having treatment. Well, this is when we fell upon the blog. She's a she's a daughter of a friend, and and somebody pointed it out to me, and we started reading it. And another friend said, "Wouldn't it make a good book?" And it would, because she's like this. She was like this nascent journalist. Mm. You know, she knew how to do a story, Simon. She just mm. like. She put up a heading on her blog. She'd start with a great opening sentence. She'd spin it out, yep. finish it, knew where it wasn't too long, thrown yep. a couple of pictures, perfect. She yep. just knew her stuff. Got to know her. We put out this book of her work, and then she died like, yep. three weeks later. Um, dealing, Working with her was difficult because she was such a gorgeous force mm. of nature, such and energy and joy. But what was fascinating with Harriet was that she found it in the in, the midst of knowing she was dying she found happiness and she expressed it and sort of pulled people into it Mm. and said look it's here I've got it now right now I'm alive and I've got friends and I've got love you know so I thought that really helped me early on the press was really hard going and sometimes you're like oh this Mm. is so difficult Mm. but thinking if she can manage that yes like what am I going on about so it just makes you sort of this thing of looking up I guess and seeing the best um
0: worrying that it takes something like that kind of sentence that kind of you know situation yeah, no know, know, knowing a finality is mm. coming in closer than anyone anticipated mm. how it can you know um, how it can take that for people to mm. to to recognize th- these um, I guess simple essential components of a life and yes, happiness. You know? Absolutely,
2: isn't it? It just yeah. peers it back. Yeah. But, so if it's okay, I'd read yeah. all three parts. Yeah. It's yeah, terrible, sure. But I've not read all three together. Yeah. And um, so the first poem is exactly about that, and this is from the point of view of the father. Yeah. And how everything pairs back to the bare essentials, which for him was was wasn't joy. Mm. I have to say, mm. of course. And then uh, the second poem's the mother's point of view, and then there's Harriet. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poem's called C for obvious reasons, and it's after A and B in the book. Yep, yep. Okay, so this one, number one, what to say about uh, what to say after her diagnosis? This a father broken and reconfigured to this fear hat, nothing left over, nothing to spare after that. Nouns gutted, verbs vivisected, adjectives hammered flat. Before the diagnosis he was father. Harriet Playful seventeen addressed him thus she his hat and there was an illustrated alphabet and twenty volume Oxford crammed around that. Actually as I read it I realise I got the word that in there an awful lot, haven't I? Um so yes, yeah, she was called hat, obviously, mm. and um and the word father, when you break ah uh, uh, father, you break yeah. it down, it becomes fear hat, two words. And that was amazing because you look at a parent in that situation and they're utterly reduced. It's like everything about the child. Just the hardest thing, I think. Uh, that's for you know, John Rowland there. And then um, number two is chemotherapy. Who knew she was there, hidden inside that thing that turns her girl upside down and inside out? Poison, really, a small, inefficient killing field. Let loose in a body still young enough to smell of milk in the morning. One the mother must return to sit beside and stand over, to stroke the soft cheek, catch the soft vomit, be steel to all that softness, a shield. And when called upon, scream like a banshee, yet, for the most part, sits beside is all she can do, hands and lap. But here I am now running a spell-check over the daughter's story. All those words, sharp teeth biting at the last of life's full belly. And there she is, mother, over and over, the unexpected heart of the matter. How could we not see it? Listen closely now for the rest. Say the word with soft mouth lest you miss miss them, first and last, and barely there, but holding mother, like ribs, the key to almost happy. So, because people can't see the title, the Uh, word chemotherapy, right in the middle of it, has got the word mother, mm. and I never knew that, and I I don't think most people do. Mm, And it mm. was when I was doing the spell check in the book of Hat, Mm. and I wanted to check how many times she called her mother mother, because on the whole she didn't, and I just thought, I'll do a quick, and boom, it came up, the one ref, and then it kept coming up, chemotherapy, 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 all through the book. Mm. Bloody hell, that's <laughs> extraordinary. Because there right the mother was right in the middle of all that, really. Mm, mm. And that thing of being by the bed, always there, always there, always there. And this so and weirdly, if you take mother out, you've got key at the beginning and the appy yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the end. I know. Stretching it a little, but it just seemed so logical yeah. and so right. Yeah. And the mother mother was everything her and had to be everything even when the daughter wasn't at her best obviously um and that thing of yeah i just i found that quite one of those great moments of words and what language can do yeah and that weird thing too that in finding that you kind of it's that's what i think language does words do you sort of you Change the story. You transform the story of it mm, by mm. finding another way into it mm. and using language to do that. Um, but you're expressing still the the sort of basic truth of it. That's quite, I think, fascinating. Um, and this is number three uh, of the three-part poem. It's called "Missing Her." Audacious to think I taste that kind of sorrow. My missing of you is simply on our steps in Guzney Street, all shiny red coat wanting to know where to go to get a hook and eye sewn on your dress, and delighted to be taken up Cuba to the small shop that's shut now, the one with a blackboard outside and a mysterious seamstress. I would have done it for you if I'd had needle and thread, but I left you by the blackboard by the little door. And we hugged, your coat squeaking like a clean floor, your skin impossibly creamy. I think, too, of watching you talk that day and others, the tracings your fingers made, mouth so capacious and mobile, your face a place people lingered. The way you said to a wedge of brownie on a plate, perfect, and regarded it with such plain affection. Small ruins for me. For your bro, they call Gramps, for your weeping father, your stoic mother, your Grandma Joe, and all the rest, for Mac and his kilt, for friends and scarlet lippy and pineapple pants, three day beards and skinny ties. Missing is a shattered city. Lost spires, gutted high rises, lights stuck on amber, the howl as wind claws the perimeter fence. Yep. Yeah. So that's had mm. herself. Mm. And that's again the, the thing of language, because of course her family and friends have memories of her, and photographs of her, and she's there, you know, in their life, mm. but, um, in their lives, but you put it aside, time passes, it's been a few years now, and... They reread this poem and go, oh, yes, that's her. And mm. it's like she's suddenly mm. in front of them again. Yeah. So it's like having, I mean, I didn't know it nearly as well as them, but I've put it into language with the little, those glimpses of that her. And they, that one particularly, that wedge of brownie and her mm. going perfect. That's so her. And suddenly it's like, whoa, even her dad said. It's mm. like she's right there in the room and vivid. Mm. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's crazy. Cool us. You forget, you mm, don't. Mm, yeah, but mm. it's um, it's fantastic, and that's happened actually with other poems in the book where I've written things at a certain time, and you think you can have all this other, all these other memories, I guess, of things, but sometimes when it's just there on the page in a few lines doing the job it's supposed to do, it can be more vivid than anything else.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah. yeah, I think like one of the things you do in that book, and I guess in other poems of yours that I've read in other pieces, yeah. even but particularly in the in the poetry, is. Is You have this way of, I think, you know, I might have said this in a, in a little snapshot review yeah, I did yeah, it or something, yeah. but, but um, often people will be talked about, um, praised for um, taking something personal and making yeah, it universal yeah, yeah, so that people yeah. understand it. And I think you actually kind of do the opposite. You grab little, well, yeah, big things that are yeah. universal and yeah. then you reduce them down to a personal story. Yeah. You, you make them, you know, you infuse them with a the meaning. They're still there for other people to understand yeah. uh, on whatever level. You know, they yeah. don't always need the full backstory and they can still appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you have infused it with something very rich that's to the, you that's, you know, that... that very that's, particular. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think that's where it's interesting, isn't it? I think the more particular a poem or piece of writing or prose is... Mm the more someone else can engage with it, mm. actually. Because it's not all floaty yes. and abstract and they don't, yeah, yeah, and they don't yeah. know where to land. But if it's really particular, even if the details are different from your experience. Yes. Um, you you then leap to your own, don't you? Mm-hmm. It's like when someone's telling you a good yarn and you go, Oh yeah, that's yeah, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. You make,
0: you're making yeah, yeah. a connection to <laughs> Something yeah. that's not necessarily connected at all, but exactly. it's triggered it for you, yeah. It
2: de- and do you think
0: it's a journalistic eye kind of thing, for you?
2: Um, so I think my journalism writing, um, it definitely came out of my um, interest in writing poetry and yeah. fiction. Yeah. So
1: They're I very connected.
0: They're very, you know, yeah. lots of the... We go back to famous poets a hundred years ago. Yeah, Their yeah. day job <laughs> was yes. that they were a journalist. Yes. Any... You know, in an old-fashioned, now a very old-fashioned newsroom
1: mm. that that
0: barely exist, um, the 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 cliche of the person with the cigarette over the type hunching over the typewriter with the peak on, there was probably a manuscript for yes. a novel or a book of poems or both yeah. in the bottom in the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet. Yeah, I,
2: I think yeah. it probably is yeah. is so. Uh, it's interesting. I think the journalism. I've noticed this working with journalists too. It makes you less precious Mm. about what you write. I mean, you're you're more open to discussing it, having it edited, and all, because you're so used to it. I mean, you can put a feature article in, and it comes back and looks a Little different, and no one's asked you. Mm, <laughs> mm. Like, you can lose all your first paragraph or something yeah, in the middle, and yeah. say, Wow, you didn't
0: even get a chance yeah, to, to that, murder your darling, someone yeah. did it for I you. just go, yeah.
2: So, yeah. I find that working with journalists, you say, So, we're going to edit this. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're asking me? Yeah, you know, yeah, answering. yeah, that's polite, but, it's, but yeah, that's kind of you. And I like, um, and I think, so, so because I actually published this under my own press, you know, yeah. imprint, I wanted to get a different editor in to help me. Do it. I mean, not to help me, no. Yes, to yeah, tell yeah. me what to do. To like work it. Because yeah. you, you're your own worst enemy. You can be so indulgent and dreadful. Well,
0: well you know, this is <laughs> one of the 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 first remarkable thing about this book. I thought was. Wow, for a first, you know, as you say, there's a chat book, but for a first book of poems from someone who's been writing for, you can say, you know, fifty years yeah, or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, This is a nice slim volume when skinny. it could have been this doorstop of, well, here it all is. Oh, no, yes, yeah, I so didn't want. So to is do that, that is that coming out next year? Yeah, like uh, now no, that you've- no doorstop,
2: <laughs> no, I promise you, no doorstop. No, I really felt, yeah, you know, I wanted to do that right. I, I needed a structure, so I didn't. Overindulgent, throw things and think oh god should it be this should Mm. it be that it's all felt rather horrifying Mm. because I've got hundreds of poems so no instead I said right need a structure what will it be what will it be what will it be and then just um I'd done the written the happiness bowls poem yeah I had a lot of other I I suppose thinking about this happiness thing Mm. um in and around Harriet and working with her
1: yeah
2: and yeah, just one day, I, I in the back of my mind, ABC of Reading, Ezra Pound's book. Don't yeah. know why, but there it was. And I was looking at things on the computer. And, of course, the, the poems are all in alphabetical order in the file. Yeah. And it somehow just came together. I'll do it ABC. And then, with the structure, I could only do 26 poems. Yes. Good, phew. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, so that's, uh, that that gives you the yes finite...
2: Uh, structures are good I think it's really important in um, any material and I think uh, often people don't get it but if you can if you've got a good solid structure then it it saves you a lot of heartache and problems and then I had to have the 26 so it did mean a bit of juggling sometimes and you know thinking oh this or oh, not this I did change titles of older poems to make them work yes, in, that, yeah, in yeah. that setup yeah and I wrote Zambia no Z yes, yes. X was tricky <laughs>
1: yeah. it was
2: called something else it was called humming that poem and mm. I called it Exit with a big X yeah. a little bit of a chain. Yeah. but the part of it was yeah, offering the 26 that I proposed to publish to an editor and I chose Jennifer Compton well actually I didn't choose her she chose me I'd published her a few years ago as part of my hoopla poetry Mm -hmm. series Um, and I'd I'd had a bit to do with her she was Randall Cottage writer in residence here in Wellington she lives normally in Melbourne but she's from New Zealand Mm. fantastic poet and also a very generous one one of those people who does what they do in Mm. the arts but also um leans out to others and says Mm how can I help you? What can I do you? Because it's I a conversation. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And she's very, like and when she, she was in Wellington, she went to all these poetry readings. A lot of the residents of mm. Randall Cottage don't necessarily, they stay there and write whatever they're going to write. She went off, first thing, Is there, where's a reading? Where's an open mic? And she mm. turns up and she's very egalitarian. There's no one who's better in her mind than others. I mean, she probably does think that, but if sure. she doesn't express it yeah. to her. We're all poets together. We're all getting our stuff out good on you. Yeah. So she said to me, what are you doing with your poetry? And I was like, mumble, mumble. Anyway, eventually she put a bit of pressure on and said, send me something. So that's what I sent her. And mm. that was over. That was about two and a half years ago. And mm. she very generously came back with some edit suggestions. So I took her on as editor effectively I thought I can't do this. I won't, won't do it myself. But she'll edit it for me. First edits came through. I hung on to them. I was so, so busy, and it felt like a bit of work. She didn't like some of the poems. So, again, what could, you know, you've got to listen to your editor. Mm. And again, that journalist thing, right? They go. Then mm. I tried. I mm. jig them, and she still went nah. And yeah. So I took them out. We kept talking. Uh, yeah, there was a bit of a gap of time, and she said, "Where are they?" And she sort of kept nah. You've got to just mm. do it, mm. you know. So they went back. We did, again, back and forth. I taught her how to, um, you know, talk back and forth on Messenger, um, you know, to call each other up. She'd never done that before. She found that joyous. She's like, oh, this is so good. And we did it really by talking. So that was very, that was fun. What's the,
0: you say 50 years of writing poems Mm. before a book comes out, what's the whole span of um, years in terms, you didn't include the, first poem you wrote in here, for example. No. So how far back do these go?
1: I think
2: that... I was thinking that probably, um... Yeah, because the stuff I wrote at school... Yeah. Whoa, sure. ...wouldn't, wouldn't include well, that. Not that's, many people, that's in the not Wellington pe- Girls' College yeah. Reporter magazine. Yeah, that's where it belongs. That's Where right. it belongs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and very I'm not, rambling and kind. of How many
0: people have, um a confidence or, a, or 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 not even that like oh, yeah. you know it's not even just about that it's just yeah. the stuff's not relevant exactly. it can't it's it's very rare yes. that something deserves to sit alongside you know something from that yeah. Long ago deserves to sit alongside
2: so true. contemporary stuff. Well, it's quite raw too. You don't know yeah. much, and yeah. you're doing your best and you're just sort of ex- experimenting yeah. it's sometimes yeah. rather badly. I did. Um, I did Bill Manhire's early course. Yeah, called so original y- composition. This is in that. this is
0: what before there's the yeah. towering IIML. Whoa. So yeah. it was just
2: a course. It was yeah. just an undergraduate course called original composition. Yeah, I think it was year two and up. You couldn't do it in your first year, and you applied. And I applied to get in and got in, mm. which I just still remember as one of those hallelujah moments, mm-hmm. like, Oh my god, I am a writer, I really am. Yeah. I'm going to be this this then young, you yeah. know, lecturer
1: <laughs> yes. poet
2: had chosen me. i had no really idea what was going to go. I went into that court into that room on the first day. I don't think I knew any of the other writers at all. I maybe knew Kirsty Gunn. Yes, I think I would have known Kirsty. So yeah. she now, you know, is well known mm. writer living in, in in Scotland and London. But she, you know, was back a couple of years ago with her novel um, about bagpipes, mm. big music, which she won an award for. So she was there, and there were a few others. Jean Watson, who was writing mm. a little memoir, living in Arrow Valley, and she launched that that year. But there's other writers, probably about 10, 12 of us, and we wrote a lot that half year. I think it was. Mm. Um, and we got marked on it and all of that. I don't think, no, there's nothing from there that I've used in this book. Because I still think mm. I was, yeah, there was sort of, some of them, I guess, were a bit, I don't know. They felt like, you yeah, definitely you're trying on hats for size. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. should I do this little surreal poem? Or should yeah. I try this one? Or what will I do? And I'll play with colour and I'll do that. So I didn't, they weren't orth- I guess they needed still a lot of work. Well, you in my can mind.
0: contextualize that stuff. Like if you mm. put it online or in uh, its own collection of the time, you can frame it correctly. But if you yeah. put it, if you know, sometimes those things that are perhaps even a little naive, yeah. there's something charming about that. But yes. then if you put it in a collection of work that yeah. also features contemporary stuff, yeah. it can seem jarring.
2: Yeah, I think so, and also the the things you're dealing with when you're yeah. 18 that mean the world to you mean the world. I really <laughs> that are the r-
0: world, and you
2: recognise they're not <laughs> yeah. later on. Yeah, I remember spending hours going to and from university. I was living in Norway Street then, sort of you know in our yeah. Valley, Kelvin, yeah. little valley. Yes, as you know, not far yeah. from here actually, yeah. and um, dark as you know down a zigzag. Yes. And to and from university, I'd go up, zigzag, walk through the Calvin Shops, down, up and down stairs, eventually get to Vic. And oh, I remember going back and forth, back and forth, and thinking about this poem about camellias. Oh, it's such a tortured thing. It doesn't deserve any airspace in the world. It's tortured. The whole imagery is tortured. And, but I just remember walking and thinking, right. And then, you know, the camellias are bruising, and this is sort of a m- metaphor for. And anyway. It, it, yeah. That's I do remember it, and these the way poems, you know, filled my head. Not only my own, but of course, mm. doing an English lit degree, um, the poetry of others like Coleridge and and um, Eliot, and yeah. um, it was just so it was bliss at, at actually university for yeah. me, and a lot of experimenting. I did get a poem in Landfall. It was a, like a runner-up in a and a prize. Um, a funny little thing that didn't even have a title, so they just gave, randomly gave it one. Um, and uh, I do remember I was also doing political science, so there was my English lit side, my political yep. science side, which then sort of went into the journalism yep, after. Yep. So there I was, Rod Alley, my lecturer, a lovely oh, yep. man. And I remember in a poll side tutorial... He turned to me in front of everyone and said, Mary, I understand you've got a poem in Landfall. (laughs) That's wonderful, he said. That really is wonderful. And my memory is he read it out loud, and it was quite a personal poem, and I was utterly <laughs> utterly I, I don't think he did though but yeah. something about me was mortified yeah, I yeah. wanted it all to go away that was not what I talked about in political science yeah
0: that's yeah like, yeah that was yeah. a different
2: other thing. side
0: yeah yeah you
2: know? so in terms of the first poem that's in there I that from my yeah you know, out of in all the years of writing I think it would be one that I wrote about eighty three or eighty four wow, okay. in London. Yeah. So and yeah. It's about my friend. It's the pink T shirt one. Yes, right. Which is kind of just out there and fun. Yeah. And it's a true story about a friend. Who well do you want to yeah, read yeah.
0: that? Because that, that's, that's that's definitely a a, a a highlight of the book. Oh because that's you, well, lovely. I, well it is. I mean you think yeah, so too, it's because that's on the inside <laughs> you know, I'm not just giving you a compliment, it's a, it's you a think a of it is as well. It's yeah. a it's, sweet. A, it's a good um elevator pitch for this collection of poems isn't it it? yeah that's
2: exactly what I thought too okay here we go pink t-shirt he liked to arrive at her door ring the bell and wait to see her face above him at the window the eyes widen the mouth an O. look through the keyhole to see the joy of her running down the stairs in a pink t-shirt cupping each large unruly breast not enough hands to stop the smile on her face
0: yeah
2: so that's my Friend Alexandra, I'm <laughs> sure she'll love me for saying that, and um, it was. And we're still very good friends, yeah. very the closest. And uh, she lives in Wellington, and that was a story told to me by her boyfriend at the time. <laughs> Yeah. I loved it, yeah. and it's so her. That's what yeah, I love. Yeah. It's, it's not only that; it's a great little story. That idea, I could just still think of it. It just that it sums her up.
0: But this is this thing I mean of it being like the a universal type story yes. experience that you have made personal yes. to you. So you and her and the person who told it to you have the very intimate details of it and understanding of it. Yes, but. You know, I can only speak for myself here, obviously, but I imagine anyone reading it can not only ha- uh, <laughs> spot a, a charm to it, mm. but can instantly do that thing we were talking about yeah, before yeah, when yeah. someone tells a story and you go, "Oh, yeah." I know
2: someone. I know like some- that. You know, because yeah, they've yeah, had yeah.
0: a version of that in their life. Yeah,
2: yeah. and I guess it's with the, this sort of this little short sharp little image really yeah. in front of it. you can just laugh and enjoy it it's just a gorgeous well, idea and it's taking another idea not enough hands you yes know, like, yes
0: yeah, and I'm yeah not enough yeah. hands to
2: do this and another hand and yeah. but in this case you know she can't stop the smile which yes. is sort of bursting out because she's holding up these two great gorgeous well, it, breasts it's um,
0: <laughs> it speaks to the kind of and i guess this is one of the key tenets of of happiness is the yeah. wonderful absurdity of human beings you yeah, know how how silly true. how silly we are and how as we go through life we sometimes um worry about that silliness yeah, or mm. or um feel defensive around it when actually that's a great strength of 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 who we are and what it is to be human is that we're yeah. all fucking mad no, that's and it's true. and it's actually great you know yeah
2: that is so true isn't it and i think there's that yeah that that kind of craziness mm. of, so you, yeah, that when you're bursting out of your yes, skin, the yeah. strange things you can yes. do and the fun things you can do. Yeah, I think it's also that thing. You, you look. You don't want. I guess that it was a risk to put happiness on the cover. Yeah. Um, because um, there's that whole thing with Bill Manhire used to say, and he's quoting someone. It's yeah. not his idea. I'm pretty sure. Um, that happiness writes white, mm, and mm. um, that it doesn't offer enough i think mm. it says. like the mm. the, the page is going to look white at the end there's not going to mm. be enough on there for the reader to grab hold of and really engage with and feel they're, they're having this experience and that they're going somewhere that it's light on its feet um it, it you know it's not like tragedy and sadness mm. which offer you this whole mass of stuff to to engage with and things that we we we've all got this yeah, sort of different ways of being sad and we can find our own way in. Mm. Um, and perhaps we experience that more. There's a whole lot, really. You could say well,
0: so. I, I like the the book, the, the and the the title. Um, you know, the the material in it, but the title as a clue for it, it nicely combats this cliche of. You know the tortured artist, and that oh, you yeah. know you can't, you can't, <laughs> um, so you can't be doing good work if you've got happiness in your life. You know yeah, you yeah, you yeah. write the best songs when you're miserable. Now look, yeah, yeah. We, you know you, you and I probably have similar tastes on a lot of music, and probably do love a lot of sad sack yeah, music yes. that's wonderfully morose and depressing. But yeah. you also, you know, that's quickly countered by, you yeah. know, when you hear. You know, ABC by the Jacksons yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. Well, that you know, Nick like the
2: Cave song about the rabbit bouncing yeah, in the field. Yeah, What's yeah, it? yeah. There's, I, I there's, love that one.
0: Exactly, and 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 these people, are like you, people say Leonard Cohen's depressing or Bob Dylan's yeah, depressing, yeah. and and then they have wonderfully upbeat, yeah. joyous songs as well.
2: They yeah, do and anthems, and yeah, You know, yeah. and 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 still, even in those depressing songs, and this is the critical thing the the joy actually and the happiness can be in the sheer beauty of mm. what they you know offer you isn't mm. it I mean mm. although the the words can be sad and the and the and they can be it'd be in a minor key yeah but then when they're offering you language that's utterly on point and 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 music that is mm. that is the joy that is the happiness I guess that you can as a listener you experience mm. isn't it mm. like if it was rubbish and tragic, you did turn it off. You, mm-hmm. want, you want your tragedy to be beautifully yeah, yeah. presented so yeah. that you can experience this thing. You mm. can you can live in it and with it. And well, well, where does music
0: come into things for you? Like, when are you consciously absorbing music and as a listener, as yeah. it, when is it in your life? When are you aware of it? So,
2: um... Yeah, so I'm in a band called the Brooklands, and um, we play mostly covers, really. We started not. We played... No, 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 sorry. complete opposite. We played mostly originals. We used to play more covers. And I started to think, because I like writing other things, Mm. uh, why not write songs? I tried them again in those young days, (laughs) and those songs should not see the light of day. Mm. Um, But I thought, why not give it a go? And I did. And... Some of the early stuff didn't quite work. Too wordy. You, you know, you've got to make it work with me. It's a whole other thing. And I found that the more I play, the better I got as a musician. I'm still not a brilliant musician, but I play okay. I got a better sense of how um, composing music works. That uh, for me, anyway. I don't think it works for every musician, but for me, what I you do, not to do the lyrics first, but actually get the music going. Mm. A rhythm, or a, something that a beat, something that's a riff, something that you can then—it—it it takes it, in your head. You start to hear language. That's how it works for me. Um, and then out of, or sometimes, sometimes I'll just have a riff, just a line in my head, and it'll be mostly about rhythm but something about the words themselves. Mm. And then I'll sit down with the guitar and then kind of the two things work together. So overlaying lyrics onto music, no, no, I don't think that works myself. I think you can hear it. But what I really love is just it's pulling the two, out of the two things you kind of create this. And I love it. I love songwriting. I'm really enjoying it. I don't think, again, they're, you know, top of the line songs in that sense. I don't have any... Sense of the needing to be, mm. I just really love it. And playing music takes me out of, of what's a very busy head. Like I've got my, not in my own writing, but I'm you know running now mm. two presses, and um, I've got that to think about. I've got family, I've got all, it, whole, all sorts of things going on. But music, it's like it just quietens it all down you know pushes mm. it all to the side I guess it must go off somewhere and then the music takes center stage well but but
0: where were you in your life when you sort of discovered it where were you did you grow up playing yeah. instruments and then when did you take the stage at all ever yeah. or when did you write a song you know how late in life did this come was so, it always so there?
2: music um my mother loves music so does my father classical music he loves more, I think mum, um, and he loved African music, he recorded yeah. some music in Africa too, and in um, Tonga when he went. But, so both loved music, both played it, both had good record mm. collections and mm. the music was playing all the time. Mm. Um, mum has a whole range of love, you know, music she loves, um, musicals, you know, they, they played here, mm. and Jesus Christ Superstar and all that stuff, and then opera and classical music, so... Yeah, often I'd come home from school, there'd be a record on, and she'd be reading a book lying on the couch. And I just thought that's what mothers did. Mm. You know, you had mm. to kind of, Mum, afternoon tea, is there anything? <laughs> <laughs> but that was, so that was always, we didn't listen to the radio so much though. So my knowledge of what was coming through was mainly through boyfriends who listened and mm. told me, I'd mm. say, is this a good record? I didn't have a good sense of that. Um, we did listen to the national radio because dad was, at some point mm. was working for them. But, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. So I sort of had to find my own way into that. And so it took a little bit of time. But at university, I played a lot of Leonard Cohen, for example. But prior to that, um, I, my brother, for some reason, oh, I was going to say no. In fact, I'd started playing the piano age nine. That's mm. true. And that mm. was mum. And before that, the recorder. And that was always there. But it was something that was a bit of a chore, learning it. And then my brother got a little guitar in his tea, late you know, early teens, I was a bit older than him. He really didn't play it, so I took it off his hands, but it mm. wasn't a very nice guitar. Mm. So then I bought one off a friend, which I've still got, mm. many years on, and I played and played and played it, learned from it. Another friend taught me chords, um, sang a bit with some friends, not that well, I suppose, wrote some songs then. So that's 16, 17. And I kept, I always took it with me. Mm. Like in England when we went, years later, or in the early 80s when pink t-shirt was written <laughs> um i didn't take a guitar but we bought one where we lived just to have one always and i tried it oh i tried to learn a bit of spanish guitar. you know i was always flirting mm, with it mm. but it was never the central sort, mm. tenet of my life it's been a it's,
0: was. yeah yeah it's yeah. been a, a part of an outlet of that but just mm. a nice distraction yeah it sounds like and then a, what
2: yeah and then i uh, think it was a few well it was a, yeah a few years back I just, I suppose the kids were getting a bit older, and my guitar was in its, as I called it then, the coffin. I didn't mm, open it in mm, a while. Mm. And it was all a bit moth-smelling in yeah. there, you know, not very pleasant. And I thought, I just thought, I think I'll get back to it. I tried a bit of um, blues, um, piano, before I opened the guitar case. Then I tried flicking around through different types of music. I, I bought myself a, an acoustic bass, just because I fell in love with it in a shop. Mm. And... Then got together with a friend. She was playing the ukulele, and we thought, "Oh, we could make music together." It was a bit of a disaster <laughs> with a bass and a uke, and we didn't really have much knowledge of what we were doing. Um, but at least it was a start. Yeah. And then we formed a kind of band called the Smocks with a. We, we, we were just beginning then with a friend called Liz, and she played guitar. Um, and then gradually it grew and I began to play the guitar more and that's when I started writing some songs. a guy called Liam joined us and then Rob sort of started gathering the thing and then we we stopped we we, we kind of you know needed a break and ended that and then we formed the Brooklins on the mm. basis of the, what was left that was my friend mm. Heather and myself there um and it's been really amazing actually because it's shown me a number of things that you, if you keep playing music and play it a lot, it goes into your yeah. um, muscle memory, yeah. and you don't have to be continually pulling it out. Pulling so, out.
0: how regular are the Brooklyn? So, so we you get together to rehearse, and you know, we re- yes once a regular, week Friday night
2: yeah. we get together. Someone so it has a me.
0: social club aspect yeah, to yeah, it. yeah, 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 and that's is,
2: good, I yeah. think, because it's all part of. Um, encouraging each other I mean to practice but also to write songs so we're all mm. writing songs mm. now so I started doing it and then yeah it's sort of i think it is you' getting the ethos of it mm. people others in the group did as well and then mm. other beautiful really beautiful songs in fact we had a sort of we've had a couple of weekends away um Ian and I my husband and i have got a place in the wider um it's an olive grove with a big old historical barn on it that we did our and the band has, you know, had weekends there mm. when we just play all weekend and mm. we write music. Mm. And it's amazing what can happen in that time. You know, mm. real, real concentration and of musical energy. Um, it's terrific. I really love it. Mm. And I'm enjoying... I've just written another song. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing to write music because you can't quite believe it didn't exist before you wrote yeah, it. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know? Do the poems... Become lyrics or f- sn- snatches of the poems? I've tried, or, actually, uh, no, are they quite separate? I've tried
2: pulling some of the the reject poems yeah, from those yeah, other periods, yeah, where I quite yeah. like some lines out yeah, yeah, yeah. and sort of tried to create um, poems from uh, songs from them. Mm. But they never have quite, yeah, quite. Turned out as I'd hoped. So I think it's probably better to... It's that I think them, I've worked yeah. out, in other words, and not planting the lyric on top of the yes, melody, but yeah. actually it's a more organic thing and I think yeah. I should respect that. I think it makes for better music, better but songs.
0: I guess um, it's a handy exercise, you know, like you need these writing exercises. Yeah. And so it's a handy way of starting the songwriting yeah. process by going, well, will see so. if I can do something with this. And then it ends up... Yeah. Not including any of yeah. that oh, that's got you going.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you can spend hours, yeah. hours and bloody hours. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. What you, you just look and think, how did I spend all day on this thing? Yeah. And it's not even in anywhere near working. Yeah. You know, and then you go back. And then it's others, honestly, you just it's like with poems, I guess, too. Yeah. Sometimes you just throw something something's in your head, you start playing it, and it just seems to work. Yeah. And then you run it by someone, they go, Great. It's just like everything somehow yeah. comes together and it's Fun. We've got a couple of pieces like that that are just all well, songs I've written that I just light and fun, and you yeah. just enjoy it. You yeah, know, you just yeah. like blasting, and I love that, as yeah. well as the saddest stuff, I guess, yeah. too. Yeah.
0: So, what do you embark on after university? What do you what are So you going I did in
2: the postgraduate journalism yeah. diploma yeah. with Brian Priestley down at Canterbury, um, which I loved, loved very much. It was well taught, I learnt a lot. Um, nice to be in another city. And then I went on to radio. But um,
0: also, yeah, you would have been doing that at quite a, um, if not a boom time, a very yeah, good time yeah. to be doing that. It was definitely. Like prospects. Yeah. Whereas now, I'm yeah. amazed they still have journalism schools oh, now, true. I feel like there should be some royal commission into, <laughs> into, oh. into stopping them because, yeah, you know, true. what are they doing? You and know? What do
2: they go? I guess think they can go into communications more broadly yeah. and that, but if they think they're going to have a gung yeah. career as a yeah. journalist, you know, finding all the yeah. great stories, it yeah. may not be the case, yeah. Um, but yeah I think, I mean, they're great skills to have sure. but you really, we all pretty well wanted to go yeah into, yeah. into a newspaper or radio or television, I went into radio, yeah. again, but the information with my father, I guess, mm. and I like to talk. I like, you know, <laughs> to talk verbal things. So I thought mm. that really worked for me, mm. radio. Um, and I, I loved it. It was great fun. I just love that sort of job where you turn up in the morning, you don't know what you're going to do in any given time. You just, you just you know, you could be there five minutes, and they're going, off. Oh, if you go down the down the road, there's, yeah. there's a march on Parliament, or there's this or that. And um, we were working with people all the time. So
0: you were delivering news. Yes. Yeah, so doing, just a
2: straightforward yeah, yeah. reporter in the national yeah. newsroom. And then I went, uh, we went out shortly. I was about a year and a half doing that. Then we went over to London and I got a few jobs that were nothing to do with journalism. But I did send some stories back to Radio New Zealand. Um, that was a... That was fun too, sending things through and doing mm. interviews with New Zealanders coming over, etc. And then I eventually, after working in a jean shop and various cafes and doing some PR and all this other stuff that you do, I got a job in Voice of America, mm. and that was interesting. I mean, it was it was a broadcasting job. I was essentially doing more sort of the they were. They didn't need on the ground reporters. They had their American reporter in London. But I was sort of support for that and working with the um, more in the in the studio side, mm. um, bringing in reports from uh, correspondents in the um, you know in the Eastern Europe and Western Europe, um, recording them, editing them, transcribing various things like that, and talking to Washington about them, sending them on. Um, so that was interesting. I learnt a lot technically. And I was still filing a little bit to Radio New Zealand. And I did enjoy myself. And then we went to live in Greece for a little while because of that Greece connection. Mm. Um, And lived there and worked there and taught taught a bit of English, really, to Greek school children Mm. who would rather perhaps not have learnt English, but they had to because their parents said they did. And um, we loved living there. It was very relaxed, very chill in Athens. And then we went back to New Zealand and... Um, uh, did a back to radio for a little bit and then I worked for television for a little bit
0: what was what was the TV gig
2: so that was um, eyewitness news hmm. late about 10 o'clock at night and um, I did a bit of yeah just straightforward reporting as well um, I started having children so work more part time um, which still worked quite well with eyewitness um, so doing longer documentaries about 10 minutes long um, which I really enjoyed. Again, directing, learning mm. to direct and edit, um, and telling those big stories. Fantastic. a yeah. um, great team there. Um, and then yeah, it was one of those Halcyon days I guess, you know, T V mm. was pushing mm. out a lot of yeah. stuff. Um, people were watching there was, it. There weren't yeah. all these other competing There was money,
0: there was yeah. you know, there was that's right, it had mm. people's time and attention. It was they, the option.
2: Yeah, it was really, and it uh, it, it was a great, mo- you know, at 10 o'clock news, people would be mm. turning it on mm. and you would update stuff that had been on at six. Um, yeah, they hadn't been, cool, on
0: their, hadn't been on their phones all day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that didn't yeah. exist, yeah. It was just like, Amazing. what's going on? Yeah. What's
2: happened? And then you'd, or you'd had these longer docos you'd been working on for weeks that mm. would then also be put up and they were terrific. Um, so then, yes, I did, sort of then I, Oh, what did I do? I stopped for a little bit in between each child. I have, I have three mm. children. I did a bit of reporting for TV3 as well, which was great fun, with a young John Campbell. I'll never forget. He was always the most cheery and welcoming mm. when I'd turn up to do my part-time slot. <laughs> <laughs> no one else cared, but it was always John. It was, hello, Mary, hello. You know, <laughs> like, woo. But uh, I did that, and then I fronted a, an arts show called The Edge, Um, it was an afternoon slot on a Sunday I'm pretty sure it was always in that dead
0: kind Mm, of slot mm. oh it's an art show where can we bury it
2: yeah yeah Yeah. it was like oh lord and that was weird because it was it was TVNZ um, showed it I think for a year, yeah. maybe two and then and then T V three took it over. it was really odd. Mm. So it shifted. I guess it was funded, you see, mm, by mm. New Zealand on Air and I guess they thought I should do it whatever. And it was I was I was the, you know, front person for it, but I also wrote the you know, the link scripts mm. and that sort of thing and went, and I learnt a lot about the arts actually, areas of the arts I didn't know a lot about, the visual arts. Um yeah, this whole—I guess even even the literature, because I'd got a little bit out of touch, maybe. Mm. Uh, in some respects, I knew some some, but not all. I yeah, you, you met I met a lot of writers, visiting writers as well, and artists, and I found it very inspiring. Um, then I stopped for a bit, bit, with my third child thought this is all quite hard work, mm. working and yeah yeah children yeah and trying to write and everything and my husband and thank goodness earns a good enough salary for me not to worry too much about that so i did take a few years off always doing a bit of work sometimes for voice of america as a correspondent etc mm.
1: um
2: always enjoying that and then um yeah so what happened then i guess In I bought yeah i brought you out towards the the blue yeah. the novel so that happened, yes. Yeah. So basically I decided, I, I think it was I re- the, reached the ripe old age of 40 and thought if I'm going to get a book out, I really have to do it. So I started to focus on that. Um, I'm someone who's um, easily distracted, shall we say, so focus is very important yeah. to get yeah. something done. Yeah. And I think journalism fed that, like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, all directions. And poetry does too, short poem here, bit of yeah. a poem there, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, But I thought, I better work on my poetry collection, right? So that's what I, I did. And um, I gave it to Fergus Barrowman of mm. VUP, who was very pleasant about it, but just felt like, you know, I, had, I really didn't have much of a track record at that point. I, he wanted me to see me doing more with it. And so I thought, well... I thought, instead of a in poetry, why don't I write a novel? <laughs> I just still can't believe I yeah, decided <laughs> to do that. I was like, why not? That that will work. It must be easier than poetry to get published. So that's what I started on this novel. Uh, but I think I'd always had it in the back of my head that I would do this story somehow and I started on it and I did make it quite poetic these big epic mm. whale hunting scenes because it's set in Arapoa Island the area of the South Island and I did these epic scenes in kind of blank verse you know it was all mm. a bit dreadful in many ways but I thought it was working and then I thought actually I thought to myself I think I need I always believe in help, <laughs> you know, yeah, people yeah. who know more, giving you a hand, showing you the way things should be going and what I could do with this novel. So, in fact, I'd made a very good friend called Penny Walker who wanted to and had applied for the IIML course, and that inspired me to do the same. And we both got in the same year. She was in uh, Bill's class and I was in with Damien Wilkins. Mm-hmm. I applied with poetry and prose. And um, then they said, well, which are you going to work on? I said, I don't know. I thought you might tell me. And they said, <laughs> no, it's up to you. I thought, oh, that's a very loose. Um, so I said, well, since I was with Damien, who's a novelist, mm. I'll do the novel. So that was a good decision.
0: And who else came out of that? Because I've talked to quite a few people.
2: Irene Beautrey was in my yeah. class. So she was doing poetry there. Yeah. Sibana Manasiades is another... Chris Teese. He was yeah. in, not in my class, but in Bill's. Mm. Um, Penny Walker's there. Um, there was a, a number of us. Oh, Michelle mm. um, Michelle Amass. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a good poet. And mm. she since died.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, she was in um, Bill's class there too. Yeah, so we were quite a quite a class and yeah. I and, and it was one of those great
0: Well it is every year, isn't it? As yeah. a, so I've talked to quite a, I mean I've talked to Chris and yeah. I've talked to a few people um, now for the podcast that have been through it and yeah. I always I always say, so who was in your year? And they yeah. reel off names no. that have, you know, done extraordinary work. Yeah.
2: And of course there's those there yeah. are those who haven't yet. They yeah, may well yeah, have right. yeah, yeah. time. They've yeah. got other things in their lives. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think um, it was just concentrating a year on, you know, or me me concentrating for a year, focus for a year. I gave everything away except for working one day a week in the bookshop where I'd been working, um, which I really liked, and it was nice to have a little extra cash. And, um, yes, I put a lot of things aside and thought, mm. right, novel. So I finished it, um, at the draft anyway, Um for a while it was shrinking, I called it the incredibly shrinking novel because it didn't seem to get any longer, it just got shorter and that, I think that was a good lesson. Yeah. Often it's yeah. about deletion rather yeah, than yeah. adding. And then I began to work it up. Damien was a fantastic tutor and I learned a lot about, yeah, there's a difference between poetry and prose. You're mm. not writing poetry, you're writing prose, Mary. Um, just do it, embrace what prose does well. Tells a good story. You need a good structure don't be scared of dialogue, just do it. It's when, you know, characters escape their author. You know, all of Mm. this. just embrace, And this is what I hand on to my authors now as a publisher Mm. because I think fiction is magic when you can really... It's so hard work too. You know, there's all these layers and threads and things going on, character development gone. You would
0: have actually developed an an ear and an eye for all of this through, you know writing story scripts for T V unaware yeah. but through writing story yeah, scripts true. for T V reporting news. Yes. That's actual dialogue. Yeah, yeah, real, yeah. Listening real, to people. Listening to people, interviewing people, people. Yeah. Yeah. Putting across prompts for question lines so and so forth. True. Is really good for understanding the structure of dialogue, right? Isn't
2: it? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's that yeah, tuning your ear to yeah. people. Um, so many writers can get Quite internal. I mean, it's a natural part of mm. the job, mm. but they do it too when they should be listening or going out. There, are those you, you know, that thing of eavesdropping is important as a writer because other people don't speak like you or live their lives mm. like you, and you mm. can assume so much, and it's not true at all. Mm. And there's a complete joy just listening to how other people talk, and kind of getting it down on paper or recording mm. it. Mm and trying to replicate that. And, and it's in that dialogue, if you get it right, you can really nab a character, you can get them working so well for you. And I love that idea that they escape the author at that point, because what you're seeing is directly how they speak, you're not, you know, it's not being filtered. So with my novel, The the, the Blue, part of my research was to go down to Arapawa Island, where um, they would, So it was about the whalers who were whaling in the late 30s and they had these short, small, fast boats, one on the front with a harpoon, one driving it. And they do it in winter when the humpback whales were coming through Cook Strait. And the rest of the year on that that island at the mouth of Torrey Channel, they were farmers, you know, just doing what farmers did. But then there was this kind of adventure and this wonderful, epic quality of these chases, and they loved it. Mm. But, of course, eventually there weren't enough whales to do that with. But I... Heard that Doc was going down for that very first. They were They were going to go and count the whales. They've done it a bit since, but that was the first year. And my oh, memory's escaping me. I must have done it before I did the MA course in 2005. So I'd done that research already, so it's probably 2004, 2003. So they Doc were going down with these scientists, young scientists, they were, and they were going to meet up with the old craggy old whalers, and they were going to sit on this you know, big um, Mm. hill looking over Cook Strait and they are going to watch for whales and count them. They were going to have a boat down there to go count them as well. And a friend told me, um, Jerem, who works for Country Calendar, actually, I just remembered, and he he said, oh, they're doing this thing. I went, okay. So I rang Doc, nice scientist there, and said, do you think a a novelist could come along as well? And they said, yeah, sure. Mm. (laughs) Only in New Mm. Zealand, right? Yeah, yeah. I still think, why do they say yes? Anyway, I got a you know because
0: they had a seat spare. Yeah, you know? they
2: did. They didn't seem to mind at all. Yeah. And I, I went okay, so I got a place in a Shearer's quarters down there on the island, um, and every morning they would pick me up, take me up the hill um, on this mountain, you know, farm bike. And i get to the top and there'd be the whalers with their scarves and hats on, sitting in this little shelter looking out, and the coffee on. Although, actually, to be honest, when I turned <laughs> up, they thought, oh, I should be putting the coffee on, but that's another story. <laughs> and um, there were the young scientists with their theodolites, and the old guys just had the binoculars. And between the two of them, we mm. watched for whales, and it was fascinating. Like, they each had different areas of expertise. Mm. And But what was brilliant, and we also went out on the boat as well, Following the whales, I saw a blue whale, I saw humpbacks, so it was amazing. Um, but what was utter gold was just hearing them talk, how mm, they spoke mm. about whales, how they talked about their lives, the jobs they did, the things they valued. I recorded it I, I, on a um, video camera, actually. I just recorded, just press record and had it going. Um, I wrote notes and then I didn't use ever exactly how they expressed things, I kind of morphed it, you know? Mm. But um, it, ju- it was brilliant. Mm. It, it gave me such an insight because I was perplexed, not, not just by men who chased animals to kill. Um, I mean, that's one reason I wrote the book, to try mm. and understand mm. it better. But also by men, by, by New Zealand men, not having a Kiwi dad. Mm. I had a father who came from the, a Greek, the Greek culture, essentially. That's what he knew, with some English overlay. Mm. And was different from a lot of yeah, yeah. fathers, that kind of keep yourself quiet, keep it inside, don't say too much. Mm. And um, I was, I suppose, all part of my understanding as an immigrant myself in this country and understanding New Zealanders really. Mm. So um, I think that was it. It was that thing about transformation through language. Again, I was trying to um, transform that story and kind of. I mean, yeah, make it work, understand it and the people mm. in it. And as such as a person, as well as a writer, I needed to, to do that.
0: And the novel was well received. Oh,
2: yeah, it did. It did it well. Did, it did well. It was yeah. a good Best First Book Award at yeah. the Book Awards, yeah. which were the Montanas there yes, in right? Australia. Yes. I think what yeah, they Because yeah, you yeah. got a bottle of wine yeah. along with your, your certificate. Yeah. And it also was a reader's choice. Yeah. Astonishing, actually astonishingly. I still remember that because I got the Best First Book. And then I just sat down, and Jeff Walker was my publisher, and he was smiling, you know, mm. nodding, raising a glass. And then they were just—they could hear the bumble bumble about Readers' Choice, you know. Mm. And then the next thing I heard, the Blue Mary McCallum, and I remember his face—he just about swallowed whatever. <laughs> he was like, Ugh! And I, was, "I did the same," and yeah. like, I stared at him. So that they can't be right, then I just went back up and mm. sort of finished all the things I'd forgotten to say in my other thank you mm. speech I threw in there. Wow. Um, so that was very cool and on the back of that I got so, uh, you know an advance from Penguin. I'm saying this very confidently now because yes. they still haven't got that second novel out. Yes, I think, was but just going to say, so
0: was, was that the plan? That would have been the plan not just for them, but for you. Yeah, to In do theory, more. well, I'll write another novel yeah. because this one's gone pretty well. And
2: I'd, I started with, yeah. with a hiss and aurora, I was all in. Yeah. I've got this one mm. oh, I've got it I know exactly what I'm doing totally different not a mm. historical novel but a mm. contemporary novel set in Eastbourne where I was living I know that's probably a bit silly in a way you know because people don't really want you to write about that mm. area <laughs> um, you know we do that in New Zealand we give mm. it another name mm. and people mm. won't guess but they do
0: yeah, because um, then you have to tell everyone what it's based oh, on. Oh yeah, and they
2: go, "Oh, that was mean." Are you <laughs> writing about the locals that way? Anyway, I started it, and I was so confident about it. This seagull heart of mine, it's called. Cool, it's a you know Mondagrin. You get it off a song. This eager heart Mm-mm. of mine. Uh, one of those things. And I, I was so confident. I mean, the listener has even run an extract from it. Right. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. oh, just just quickly, I have to say, my whaling e- expedition, I did write an article for the listener about it yeah. because I couldn't resist. It was such a damn yeah, good story. Yeah, totally. I kept going, yeah, I'm. It, it's going to be good in the novel, but, oh, my God, it would make a really good. Mm. So I couldn't lose that journalist side of me. Yeah. But so back to second novel. Yeah written it about a third
0: yeah and so part of it got published as an extract oh, and,
2: and then the rest is <laughs> which
0: is quite cool I oh, like and those i'm still stories.
2: working on it yeah and i was so gonna I say
0: do you think that it it could still happen oh, and do you th- like or does it need to think it start could. all over again
2: it's changed a lot yeah and i think to the good i'm in a fantastic writing group based in eastbourne we've got a range of writers men and women which doesn't often mm, happen mm. in writing groups usually female um, so we've got a horror writer, a crime writer, a thr- thriller writer, mm. children's writer, um, and we we gather together, and that's been helpful because they keep demanding more, Mm-mm. and they're very good that way. Mm. And but it has it's it's a it's a better book. It, it really a lot has been you know with their input, in the sense that um, it was it, yeah it was the. It's about a stalker, essentially. It's a kind of a stalker theme. And Mm. doubles, you know, in life, how the Mm -hmm. people can look identical. Mm. And it's that theme of the double which comes up in literature a lot. Yeah, yeah. I had all the kind of intellectual kind of bones for it. And I I was able to write the character, I think. But it didn't have that kind of that emotional thing, that heart to it. So it was a bit hard for people to read. I don't think you have to love protagonists in books, but if you don't love them, they have to at least be fascinating. So, you know what mm, I mean? Like mm. you'll read the ghastly character who fascinates, mm. but yeah. apart from that, you kind of need to do a bit of an emotional connection. Yeah. And I don't think I was doing either thing. So I think now, hopefully I am. So I keep, I'm thinking now, you know, maybe a little, go for a residency somewhere at some stage. To pull that out of to you. Pull it, pull yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you write a, a, a kind of, young adult fiction?
2: I did a children's book. Children's You're book? right. Yeah. That was another diversion yeah, or yeah, distraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that wouldn't take long, children's book. Uh, mm. Quick, nifty. I'll throw it together. It took a few years, so that was another lesson. But it was lovely to do. Dapple Danny and the Shits with Gecko
1: Press.
0: Mm. Yeah. And how did that come about? I guess because you had... Children. Children. You had... <laughs> yeah, well, right. yes, but what I mean with yeah. that is that you so you had read a lot of children's books as yes, well as... you're right. Yeah.
2: It's right in yeah. front of you. Yeah, yeah. I also... My mother was a librarian at a school. Yes. Um, and loved... I mean, she loves adult books too, but she loved working with children's literature. Mm. So I had a strong influence there. It's very much a part of my mm. life. And I do think... That even in writing adult books, I've always got the children's books I read or were re- that were read to me inside my head. Like, mm. the, not not. I mean, the stories. Yes, the shape of those stories, and also the rhythms in those stories. I think we all do mm. actually, mm. and they do matter. Some writers put all that into their adult writing, and some pull it in, put it into children's writing, and they. Oh, what's her name? Cornelia Funke, you know, that children's writer? Mm. Fantastic. My daughter Mm. adores her. And we went to see her speak. And she said, a good children's writer is kind of arrested at a certain age, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I think she thought she was five. I think she said her children agreed. Mum, you've just never grown up. You're like five or six. I don't know if I did arrest enough. I don't know if that is obvious in my children's writing. If I did, it would be... I sort of think 10, 11, 12-ish maybe, if, if, if. Yeah. And I wonder if I, I think the very best children's writers, you just feel like, yeah, Yeah. oh my gosh, you're like, you're there with these children, right there at their level. Mm. And what you're calling on is stuff that you've never forgotten. It's just there, you know, I just think, although I have to say I loved writing the story. I was partly inspired by the work of an artist friend, Annie Hayward. She'd done a lovely... She does these whimsical, gorgeous pieces and paintings and this one was of Mr and Mrs Hedge going for a walk <laughs> one day which only Annie would do and there they were dancing off hand in hand and mm. in the background in the hedge there were the cut out shapes of adults so Annie was definitely arrested you know, age yeah, yeah. arrested <laughs> back when she was 8 or 9 and um, she was a local Eastbourne person I just started talking to her and um, decided that I'd like to write the story of those hedges so they're kind of critical in the story, mm. Mr. and Mrs. Hedge. And there's also, there's a number of other things, including this flying tiger creature called the Tigrish, mm. which is all about the sound rather than the thing, and a little girl called Annie, naturally enough. So, mm. Mm. yeah, it was fun. That was Gecko Press, too. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. They do. and that, So it's sold in New Zealand, England, the yep. U.S. and South Africa and all over because the gecko does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it won a Kirkus star in the US, but it didn't do so well here. But I'm phlegmatic about that. I just, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, It was fun to do.
0: And then we're sort of at the bit where you decide, well, I'm going to become a publisher and yeah. open my own publishing yeah. press. And uh, you've mentioned that already. Yeah. Um, but talk a bit about how that came about and and I guess... What the what the aims of it have been and what they are now, and obviously now you've got two.
1: Yeah, press
0: so you can talk about that too. But yeah. but what what's the the genesis of this? all?
2: so
1: yeah,
2: I, again, you know, you you come upon something or an idea and you think, oh look, that's an idea. But there always the other things coming, mm. always building, aren't they, to that point where you mm. come to decision. Um, So, like, when the novel idea came to me, it seemed to be random, but I think there was always something probably Mm. kicking around. So, with publishing, I guess it was, um, I started working with two friends in Eastbourne, who were both writers, on an anthology of Eastbourne writing. That's right, Eastbourne Anthology. And... um, we felt there needed to be such a thing. There were A lot of people had written about the area, but we only knew a few pieces, you know, obviously mm. Catherine Mansfield, uh, the odd Lloyd-Jones mm. piece, etc. Um, but, yeah, we, we were working on that. And then my son, Paul, who's a musician... And a writer, and now works for me in the publishing.
0: And 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 one of the very <laughs> early podcast guests.
2: Yes, actually. With his band. Look, and yes, all of it. Yeah, exactly. I think they were episode thirteen. Wow, pretty we're good. We're now
0: oh. we're now sort of around one hundred and forty.
2: Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, so
0: he was in the very early, in yeah. the very very early days of it. Yeah. yeah
2: nice. And he's yeah. well, he's terrific. Paul, yes. And he'd done his film degree in film studies at Victoria University, an honours degree and he um, finished and was looking for work and there wasn't a lot out there for graduates with film mm. studies degrees mm. and he yeah, he's looking, I mean he wasn't rushing into it but there didn't seem to be a lot, there was quite a low employment at the time and I needed someone to do some work on the book, we had a bit of funding and I said look you could really help by for example we need transcriptions of the older material there was nothing that were digitised mm. we mm. needed that uh, we need someone to check copyright um, to do emails to authors etc so there's a bit of work from there. so he settled into it and proved to be pretty good at it he's a big reader one year he read 72 novels most of them classics mm. so he's that mm. sort of mm. person and his knowledge of the classics better than mine, I think because A he that's what he reads <laughs> I tend to forget but he so yes, yeah, so he started that work and then we kept going with the Eastbourne book and then it was looking like a really good book we were really pleased with it and I had and found work he was enjoying the work we were doing so I thought well would we think about doing a press, I know, seems a bit random. I did approach um, actually Steele Roberts. They've been going mm-hmm. 20 years and uh, no, not it was only 15 years then, Roger Steele. and I asked if he'd ever thought of selling it. And he said he had, but then we had a talk and he said, look, rather than you know that right now I won't sell it to you, we won't even talk about that. I've got a spare room why don't you take that for three months, sit there, we can show you the stuff. You can use computer, you can use our printer, you can use whatever, our expertise. He's a generous person, like mm. Jen Compton, likes to give as well and um, settle in and see how you go. I think he thought we'd last three months and go, but we didn't. So after three months, he started charging us a little rental uh, for the, and he still was always happy to drop things and show us what we needed to know about InDesign, mm. you know, typesetting the books about editing, whenever we got stuck, um, really helpful. Um, he did the initial proofreading on our first few books as well, and then and kept an eye on us. And also it was great fun to work with, and the rest of the staff there. So we kept at it, um, just gathering things to us. Really, um, I'd always wanted to do a poetry series. I always thought it would be a good idea. I never thought I. Mm. I thought I'd sell the idea to another. Mm, publisher, mm, and they mm. thought, Oh, I'll do it. So, and you'd
0: edit it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I
2: thought, if my idea was to run, to have three books at once mm. coming out together so they support each other in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. I always remember Irene Beautray on the day of her launch of her first book sitting in Unity looking terrified, saying, What have I done? Mm, what have mm, I done? And I mm. thought, why not make it easier? So we basically would be a late-career poet, a mid-career poet, and a new poet. Yeah. They'd launch together as a set with the same design look yeah. and colourways, yeah. and all of that. Um, Get over here. And we'd go... And we'd, and we'd do that. So we yeah. started on that idea, and we got a designer friend in, Bill Carden-Horton, and he did the look of it. Uh, he does the illustrations on the cover. I grab the uh, poets, um, sometimes commission...
0: Yeah, I was just going to say. So, yeah. how do you? Because it's a great series.
2: Yeah.
0: The, the series. How yeah. do you? How do these people come to you, and how do you find them?
2: Um, so some of them have submitted. Some obviously with the late career poets. Yeah. No, they often do have their own publishers. So I have to approach them and see if mm. they'd like to step out with mm. one book with us as part of a series. Some of mm. them have, you know. the publishers have been tightening up and not doing so much um when jeffrey papa i was just gonna say that you interviewed yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. and i was gonna say his might be an example of yeah um because he did his book was dylan junkie yeah yeah yeah. um which is about bob dylan and his his fascination which many of us have with which i talked to him a lot about but i could see that as being an example here's a guy an established poet um published a lot but that book's a little bit of a risk, or mm. could be, you know, for a lot of people. It's, yes. it's quirky, it's very good, yeah. and that's a great example to me of. Um, a cool idea, a good writer, and the right publisher coming together and going, "Let's do this." Yes, right? it was a "Let's do" yeah. thing.
2: I guess it helped that yes. Paul read the manuscript yes. and loved it. Who and is m- also knows is another, is Dylan, another junkie. Dylan junkie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course, there are those people yes. and people who are Dylan junkies love the book. Yeah. And um, Paul, with you want to do stuff, you know, that he enjoys, yeah. not just things I want to do. i yeah. um, so poetry. He's always read it, but it's never been a big part of his life. But yeah, he, you know, the theme yeah, of that. Yeah. Book yeah, yeah. It's attention. Yes. Um, he's really learned a lot about poetry and does a good edit of a poetry mm. book now. But that Dylan Junkie was one very close to his heart and he yeah, was yeah. fantastic on it because the references in there, I wasn't getting a lot of them. You yeah. I'd yeah, be like, oh, yeah. oh, is that that? And he'd go, no, that's that album. Yeah. Blah, yeah. Blah. So that was a fantastic collaboration, you're mm. right. And mm. I think jeffrey loved it. Mm. So he was publishing with AUP his poetry. Yes. He had some other books with, with Steele Roberts. Um, and yeah, that book had been sitting there, and I hadn't found a home. Um, so we talked, and that's what happened. So mm, it's mm. Uh, so the Hoopla series, as it's called, is uh, yeah, very close to my heart. I love it. It's fun. Um, it's got a look about it that I mm. like. I've always loved series. You know, mm, when I was mm. younger, as a child, you know, you, you gather your
1: totally. puffin
2: books yes. or whatever. So I think, to me, Hoopla's been cool. We've been bringing out our new, uh, the 2018 set, a bit late this year. Yeah. But that will be fun. I mean, so poetry, being a poet, yeah. I really wanted to get that out there, which I've done. We've done probably, we've done 60, 65 books in five and a half years, wow. which is a lot. Yeah. And a lot of that, that's a good chunk. Not half, of yeah. most is poetry. Yeah. So the Hoopla books, but also this imprint, submarine poetry, where Essentially, the authors give us the money to make the book. Yeah. You know, They're little slim things, you only print about two to three hundred. So mm. that's been a blast, and we've done, I've really enjoyed it. Mm, it's, mm. it's lovely, they're fun. Poets are great to work with, they're happy to stand up there and read. And yeah, yeah. It's been lovely doing that poetry. And then um, also, fiction, of course, is a big part of what I want to do.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so I, for example, bring out one novel a year. Sometimes two, but I've decided one really is more practical, cost-wise. Yeah. And I've been working a lot with the authors on those books, you know, really getting them up, because it's hard to sell New Zealand fiction. It's got to be utterly as good yes. as you can make it. Um, yeah, these are books Yeah, that haven't found a home. Perhaps, say, publish someone like Maggie Rainey-Smith, who was publishing with Random House. Um, they contracted, mm. didn't take it. Um, So I worked with her on Her Daughters of Messini, and it's been a terrific book. In fact, we've sold the rights to a a Greek publisher Mm. who's yet to bring it out. He's taking his time. Mm, mm. So that's a novel. You know, those novels are a lot of work and hard work, and you don't really make money out of them as such, but it's, um, I believe in them. yeah and the need to and we've got just brought out kirsten warner another musician um she we've brought out her um the sound of breaking glass she's in bernie griffin and the thin man um been great working with her and that's just come out and people are already just anecdotally they're they're just loving it so it's um it's brilliant utterly brilliant
0: mm-hmm. and
2: um so we do the fiction i do some memoir yeah which i really like uh, as well um Again, I just select what I really want to do, I guess. Um, a bit indulgent, but if you do it properly and you market them as well as you can with lots of readings and events, they can do well in their sphere. Mm, mm. So we did Renee last year, that's her, right. yep. her memoir, and a number of others besides them, all of which I'm very proud of. Mm. Um, so that's that, yeah, that's pretty much our focus. And then, um, but it was just Paul and me, mm. um, he was working part time. Because uh, he's got his music, and I was um, full time, of course, and so I was really doing, you know, we between us we did everything. Yeah. But I had really had to carry all the financial aspect of it, you know, the invoicing and the paying royalties and all of that sort of thing, um, contracts, quotes, da di da di da on it went, and it's a lot to do. Wasn't there? Yeah. We had no infrastructure, um, and we wanted something a bit different. Yeah, we decided. Yeah, let's try something fresh. Uh, Roger Steele wanted to semi-retire, so we've taken. So the two staff from Steele Roberts and Paul and myself from Macro and we formed the Cuba Press, with Sarah Bolland and I as directors, co-directors mm. of that and it's just a fresh start different approach and this um, is
0: fairly new it's this brand is brand new yes, yeah. it's
2: early July yeah. and it's fun and it's meant that so Makaro continues I still right. just keep doing that novel in my hoopla books yeah. and maybe a couple of others Yeah. but just keep it very it's, it's just my where my heart lies there mm. with those things then with Cuba Press we're just doing you know anything that grabs our attention that we can do a really good job of as a team of four and so mm. we've got infrastructure now we've got Someone who will invoice, someone who will pay royalties, someone who will check the accounts as well as me, do mm. the contracts. Then we'll, between us, we edit, do the design, and all of that is fun. And mm. it's, um, we do it, basically, the first two books are both big non fiction titles, which is also a bit different from mm. my approach. Mm. Mm. One is about the mother of a meth addict who rescued him from his drug addiction uh, single handedly. Um, called "Dancing on a Razor's Edge" and the other is um, "The Invading Sea." Neville Peat, a book on climate change.
0: So quite different. Well, they're both um, pretty important, timely yeah. topics in New Zealand, though.
2: They are, but, eh? And I, they? I, that's funny, isn't it? Well, that's right.
0: Obviously, not just New Zealand, but but yeah. they yeah.
2: Well, somebody said that. They said, yeah. gosh, it's interesting. Yeah, I thought, well, look, yeah. it wasn't deliberate. We took these books on with a number of others, but these are the two that have come forward in yeah. the first yeah, two yeah. out. We're also doing poetry, mm. and we will look at fiction. We're keen to do children's books. We've signed up some children's authors. But, yeah, the first two off the rank are these, doom yeah. hard-hitting. Gritty. You know, and, they've, and we've already had quite a bit of coverage and interest. Yeah, in
1: them. yeah.
2: And it's good, I think, you know, to be honest, that's where non-fiction is where the money lies Mm -hmm. for publishing in this country. You can more readily convince a reader to buy a non-fiction book because it's clear what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They either do or don't want to know. And
0: we're big, you know, we're big readers in New Zealand and we're big book buyers. Mm, But um. we're also big producers of books. There's a tricky thing going on. We actually produce... Probably too many books in the country, really. And that
2: is a big issue, Simon. Yeah, I yeah. think. I mean, it is. I worry about it. That. Yeah. You know, you, you Everyone's know, you've a got writer. To be realistic, and, <laughs> and obviously, e- yeah. yeah
0: the Everyone's a writer, and then after a while, they all want to have. You know, what what's the, yeah. what's the thing that, is said? You know, um, if you're a writer, you know, you've you've got to have a book out. Yeah. People still think that. When I released a book, my brother said to me. And I don't. I still don't quite know what he means by this. But he was like, uh, "Well, now no matter what anyone says, you can at least call yourself an author." And uh, and I know he's never read the book. But so I was like, "Well, thanks for that." That's. Uh... It's classic, <laughs> isn't it? Like, hmm, yeah, yeah.
2: I think you should read the book after
1: something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's Trazy. like you've wasted all you've wasted all this time, but you've got something. I'm not interested in it, but well done.
2: You know oh, yeah. and, and wasted all this time. I know what he means. Yeah. So people looking from the outside and but that's, it's like that's why? exactly that's that's that, yeah. that's
0: the mark, isn't it? Oh, so you know, if you say you're a writer, oh have you written a book? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, this weird
1: you've
2: got even got the even, solid thing on the shelf. Yeah, like, even still. Yeah. yeah. It is, uh, I guess. Well, it does do something to you. It is different yeah. from other forms of writing. Yes. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Like journalism, yeah. we all know it's, it disappears yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Um, I guess you could find it on the internet now longer than you used to in the past. I mean, the it, mm. radio interview went mm. disappeared and mm. an article wrapped yeah, up the fish and chips, as they say. Yeah. But now, yeah, a book does stand there. Mm. It's a sort of perhaps got more. You know, in people's minds, intellectual clout in yeah, the yeah, average yeah. journalism, which isn't yeah. entirely—it isn't true, but it's people think that's the, that. Um, that's, yeah, but it is. Yeah, I We look. There, I think it is an issue about producing too many. Yeah, and producing. I guess with the whole self-publishing thing now, yes. um, which is a huge. You know. Whip we do at Cuba Press. We do charge author. This is the critical thing about the setup that we've yeah. done. So it's like I was doing in my submarine imprint at Macro, where um, we, you know, work out how much the book's going to cost and we charge the author for it. But they sign a contract, which is effectively the same as our other contracts, which says they have to accept that we make have the final say, whether we do the editing to our standard, etc., yeah. and we market and make them market <laughs> as well. Yeah. So we do, we're charging because there are enough authors out there not finding the publisher for their book. Yeah. um, And they want them out and they want them out now. So we say we can do it for this amount. And then we basically, they get the bulk of the sales returns Mm -hmm. um, and we get a percentage. It means the book comes out. Um, Is that right or not? I don't know. Like, should it be the traditional approach? Well, the
0: attitude's changed a bit on the, you know, you, people used to look down on the idea of vanity yeah. publishing and, yeah. and talk about it as a you know.
2: Well, they called it vanity exactly. publishing. Exactly,
0: that's looking down like on it straight vain. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like you're you, so
2: vain. you felt
0: you had to have a book out yeah. so you funded it yourself. But yeah. pe- people are recognising now that this is an aspect of uh, you know, I guess, uh, like the crowdfunding thing. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you're and you know, you
2: believe in your work enough. A- and you and get enough
0: people saying, Where's your album, where's your yeah. book, whatever? Well, you've got to make it happen. We well, see Simon,
2: it happens a lot in music, yeah, doesn't totally. it? With with That's Paul's what, band yeah. into orbit. I mean yeah. they raised the money yeah. to to get the, the, the C D made. They yeah. put on top they, they got a good person to record yeah. and to yeah. produce it. Um, they did it to the highest standards they yeah. could. They worked with the you know the experts. Yeah. but they didn't do it through a Yeah you know, music company they yeah. did it on their own and it's
0: perfectly acceptable. Totally, yeah, yeah. And they and then they do a separate one too and, and not just them, lots of people do this because then people say, Wow, I really like it on vinyl. Yes. Well the best way to do that now is to say, Well, okay, you know, this yep. costs a lot of money. So front yep. up yep. and essentially it's Pre-buy. just exactly it's mm. just pre ordering. Mm. Like and, you know, uh, people lots of people will give you different opinions on crowdfunding, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. For them, and that's mm. fine. Everyone's yeah. allowed to have a different. But essentially, in terms of a, a lot of the structure for albums, and I guess for some books, um, the way it works is if you don't if you don't raise the total, it doesn't happen. Yes. So you're essentially you're meeting the market. Yeah. You are, uh, yeah. in that sense, it's a smart move. You're saying, is there a market for this? Yeah pre-order and tell me.
1: Yeah. And then
0: I'll make enough and then I'll be able to make it and I'll mm. make enough copies mm. and um, and then it can exist exactly. in this world. Exactly. And, and we've, we've I don't done see that. any problem with that. We've you know? done
2: yeah, we've done the yeah. crowdfunding for some books um, yep. and it's actually very exciting. It's a lovely way to gets people behind it and to get early publicity and it is it's very affirming because you see the market clearly as you say Mm. i think that's right the whole thing i mean self-publishing has changed enormously for books Mm. in the sense that Mm. with the digital uh, new digital publisher printing presses um you can get you know like 100 books or 200 books Mm. out if you need to Mm. um and I know writers who've done that, just tested the waters and done it themselves. The best ones, of course, where uh, where they get an expert help, as Paul did with his CD, you get mm. him someone to do expert typesetting, yeah. expert editing, yeah. etc., so you know it's a very good quality product. I think, myself, I do think it, it's that thing of not indulging yourself, of of really of just having a, someone else outside of you to mm. manage all that, um, like I did with Jen being my editor um, on the poetry. Yeah. I, I feel like... For a writer to have a publisher in that role, it's good for them because you can make better decisions about the book, like the fraught decisions about the cover, um, about the editing too. What do you want here? Often Mm. there's a structural issue with a book, like is it working like this? Do we need to turn it inside out, upside down? What do we do? I think you can really make some good decisions for an author and you've got a better idea. I mean even they're paying us in the with the Cuba press, but we've got a better idea of um just what the market does, what will work and mm. won't, how to get it out there, how to when to start the marketing, even um, and yeah, just there's a whole lot of it becomes this collaboration and we can give our expertise to it, and mm. I think it's worth it from their point of view um, yeah, I think it's a, a better. Deal. But as you
0: say, you're still doing the old-fashioned version of publishing for want yes, of a yes, yeah, distinction. Traditional where traditional, where you we take it on, where you take it on, you make the decision yeah. and you own it yeah. based on your either really smart or really poor mm. decision to, to put a book in the world, yeah, and, it, and and all those other forces that yeah. conspire, you know, yeah. and, and uh, that it gets good reviews, that it is a good product, yeah. that it is well received, that the person is is good at fronting up and doing the... helping do the marketing and that the story translates... Yeah. Or that it bombs for... Some yeah. version of that, and either way, that's on you, it's on you, yeah. And
2: I guess yeah, it has a different thing, element yeah. to it. The risk is on you, <laughs> yeah. everything, financial yeah. and otherwise. So you're standing much closer to the edge of the cliff, mm. so you get that exhilaration, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and different kind of exponential of exhilaration. heartbreak, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heartbreak when they don't read it and yeah. they cross, like, yeah. why didn't they want that one? I don't understand it. Yeah. And then other ones where you're going, no way,
1: really. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: the Book of Hat was like that, like, yeah. we just we did a couple of. Well, 300 maybe again friends all these interested yeah. friends people who loved Harriet yeah. wanted the book and we were like okay this is realistic
0: we should be able to get yeah. through this number
2: yeah and in fact the parents yeah. um supported paid we did all the other work on it yeah. and paid for ourselves so, you know we do all everything around that book except the printing they wanted a particular look to it we were fine we're happy with that it's expensive and the parents paid for that print run And then the orders started coming in and really helped by Peter Jackson deciding that it was, you know, the best books and sliced bread at the time, putting out a thing online (laughs) and suddenly, whoa. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we better reprint. So we we just did another 200 and then, well, it's our bestseller, well over 2,000 books. Wow. And, um. Yeah, so a fantastic feeling. Yeah. And it was unexpected. It was just, it, like, I mean, we knew it was good, but you yeah, still yeah. don't know whether the but market's going to that's a good, that's a good old-fashioned
0: it. runaway success in that, and that. You believe in the product and you know you've got the numbers to justify the initial print run and, and you, you think, mm. well, we might put it back out in this world if it sells out and it'll just trickle yeah. along, but not sell out, sell out, sell out. Sell out, sell out. out. Yeah.
2: It just kept going. It's, it's the life of that book. Mm. And it came back even quite a, a, a number of months later after it had got quite quiet mm. with Whitcall suddenly supporting it as one mm. of their YA titles. And then... Um a an outfit in Singapore supporting research into the particular cancer Harriet had. Mm. Um, were looking for a fundraiser, and someone connected with it knew about Book a Hat and it's it's in Singapore selling there mm. as a mm. fundraiser, like mm. so many dollars from the book go to that. So those things blow you away and they're the they're the fun, and it's your thing. Yeah. yeah, it's on your watch. It's your totally your decision. and mm. it's a book you think should be in the world and you go for it. Um, but it's so close with even the ones that are funded because we get so many manuscripts, Simon, so mm. many, that you can find the excellent in there. And you yeah. can just say, look, we can't afford traditional publishing um, for this one, but we can do it this way for you. And we'll do as mm. good a job as we do with the others. Yeah. Absolutely. We guarantee it. Yeah. Um, because we believe in it. That's how we, we operate. Yeah. But you're going to have to put this much money towards it. Yeah. And then we'll make sure you get the bulk of the return.
0: And you get a range of responses to that from yeah. brilliant, totally so, on board, to go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say. How dare you? I've never been so I know. insulted. Yeah, I yeah. we would never pay yeah. for mate. We,
2: yeah. we go, like, this And that's is fine. New yeah, world. this is,
0: we've, yeah, you, yeah, you've sort of politely addressed it and said, yeah. we understand whether you do or don't want to do this, but yeah. this is how it is. Exactly. And yeah, so as I say, you get some people going, wow, I never actually wow. thought that was an option. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm up for that. Yes, and they'll,
2: they'll have it, it's how much they want it, how likely it is they can get it in elsewhere with a traditional publisher, if they can't, they'll come back. So that was with um, for the Cuba Press with the Neville Pete, um, he tried a few publishers, they were interested, but they had others, either, other similar titles, or it just wasn't working for their list, that's often the issue it was a good yeah. quality book, fantastic photographs, well written, basically a guide to climate change for New Zealanders yeah. um, and, but he really he he knew it needed to go out this year mm. because everything's changing even as we speak with the new government That's right. yeah, yeah, and yeah. he was had written that he's updated a, it for the for publishing it but it's really got to go out now yeah yeah so he couldn't wait around so yeah. he said okay i'll do this so he's fronting for the book we're going to give back the bulk of the returns to him um, and it's fantastic. It's been a wonder we've turned it that's the other thing, we've turned it around really quickly. A lot of publishers couldn't. We yeah. the one day, one I remember last week all four of us were working on it in yeah. one way or another. One was doing the index check, one was rearranging doing something with the layout, one was checking the edits, one was checking the references. Yeah. And that's a team of four. Yeah. And he's been impressed, I think. Yeah he said with how we've done it. And so we'll just have to see how it goes now. Um, wow. Yeah.
0: So what's what's in the pipeline you've got? series coming out for this year
2: yeah we have and then
0: you that's an ongoing thing in that you've
2: I should come out. This is you'll, our fifth year.
0: So you'll hope to do that again I next year? So. I hope so.
2: Because being a leaner, smaller, macro, I'll have to see. Yeah. But I, my intentions are that. Because yeah. three poets to get up to the yeah. mark at the same yeah, time yeah. It's more work than it sounds. Yes, yeah. Like herding, yeah. and I'm patting your cat here. It's yeah, like herding yeah. three cats sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But, but, oh, but very exciting when they come out together. It is yeah. a blast. Because they're yeah. like a little team. and Yeah, like, exactly. Woo, it's like you- we're rough into this together. Yeah. It's cool. And we've, got, we've just brought out our novel. That's Kirsten Warner's yeah. book. And so that's. It's very important now that we keep working on that and promoting it and pushing it. I really, I still want to break this thing with New Zealand fiction. You know, the top ones, you know, the winners, the big winners mm. like Pip Adams' book, they sell, they yeah. sell, there's yeah. no doubt. And if they win the book a prize, they sell more. Yeah, 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 But you've got a whole lot of New Zealand... Novels that just aren't selling the yeah. way we'd love. Well,
0: it's unfortunate. We get this thing in New Zealand where, you know, our favourite sport is winning. So, or, or, and so uh, once you get something like, now Pip's book is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing book. Yes. And there were people that liked it before it was even yes. up for consideration. And, oh, you know, I'm not just saying this because she lives three <laughs> houses is. down the road, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, if there was ever a person that deserved the yeah. sort of jolt that that, Award has given that book. I yes. think it's her. Yes. But um, yeah, and then you know, and the same happened with Anna Smale, who's a friend, yes. with her book when it got on the on the list for the, yes. you know, very and cool. A good book and a great writer and a good person, but suddenly there's this interest because people. A, attach themselves to that story in a weird way it's like a bragging yes. rights thing of this is the best thing in New Zealand right now and I'm connected to it because I'm reading it there are people that I, I feel like
2: interesting I do think happens. it's also a little bit like gold stickers on wine bottles isn't yeah. it like, yeah this it must is, this
0: must be good someone's given this a big tick <laughs> yeah, and I don't know enough so I'll I just because I
2: think the problem yeah. is, 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 as I said non-fiction sells a lot better than fiction fiction's a, a risk you don't yeah, know you yeah. pick it up and it's a first time author, what is this thing? What is it? Is it going to be something I can read? Is it going to be I mean, super literary and I'm not going to get it? I mean, the you funny know? thing
0: here is, you know, in terms of a risk and something that doesn't quite do what it says on the tin, Pip's book is the classic example oh, of that. I oh mean, yes. that's going to fucking, <laughs> you know, and inf- uh, um, blow away and and also infuriate some people that read it because it does something oh, yes. that it twists in a way that, you know, people are twists,
2: not. It twists, it goes manic. Yeah, that people just are not goes, used it to. Just this it just, crazy it, dog it, 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 it utterly yeah. insane
0: dog. It eats itself, and it just, you know, and, and it's amazing.
2: And the ending that yeah. kept going and yeah. going and going won't yeah. spoil it for people who yeah, didn't yeah. it. But you're in the water, needless to say, yeah. and there's something going on there in the in Auckland Harbour. Yeah, it's fascinating, yeah. isn't it? It does. Yeah, some people. I have know. That, I mean, to me, disliked it. To
0: me, that book is virtuoso work you yeah. know there is real well, it
2: tests the boundaries. real
0: tour de force virtuoso yeah. writing and that therefore is instantly not for everyone
2: it's true and I, I, I just it isn't for everyone in that it, it is lit- pure literature and this mm. literary type of writing which experiments tests boundaries mm. um you know, this doesn't do this classic thing you think a novel should do. Mm, she mm, breaks that apart. Mm, you know, it's just all these characters mm, like hanging out. Mm, do they develop? Do things happen? Mm, I don't know. Like, it's some sort of things yeah. just go some breakdown. We reading.
0: meet a major character, uh, you know, with with just in the scheme of things, with just a handful of pages to go. Yes, <laughs> you that's know, right. like
2: <laughs> it's so. She thought that was okay. Look, I think the thing, is and others have loved it, of course. Some yeah. number of re- reviewers, didn't. yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah.
2: But the point is, I think it's like. If, it's, it's like if you don't go to the movies a lot and you go to a movie that's a bit, tests you a bit, you're a bit like, ooh, that's mm. quite hard work. I just mm. wanted to chill out. I just wanted to relax. I won't go to the movies next week. I'm going to read a book instead. You know mm. how you mm. can be put off? Mm. And I think the same with literature. You know, people um, yep. pick up something and totally they a feel bit, I mean, And there's this whole thing about New Zealand fiction. What is it? There's, it used to be always thought of as quite dark and yeah. you know, that whole kind of rural hinterland solo person against the world feel that isn't all new zealand literature by any stretch of the imagination but if you've been brought up on that if that's the book you've done at school or whatever you tend to brand the lot don't you yeah
0: yeah totally
2: such a mistake yeah such a range of writing now, we've got, you know, we've got great crime fiction. We've mm. got great, there's some more popular fiction. Mm. like got Katherine Robinson's Gabriel's Bay Yeah, yeah. the that? romance stuff. It's a great yeah. read, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is a chill read. You yeah. can just enjoy it. Yeah. And then there are others that are more testing, like Pips and the, as I say, crime we've, mm. literature we've taken off. There's so much out there and it's just letting, giving it a go. Mm. You know, it's so sort of these books can offer you so much and it's our stories it's our country like the kirsten warner one mm. it's set in auckland it's fully auckland like pips this mm. real sense of place mm. you've got your streets you know your streets you know the views from certain parts of the city you know that hillside you know you know you know that feature that building mm. so she's done that like put and sort of Fully set you there, so you know where you are. Mm. This is wonderful, isn't it, to be in this city like this. And then she's got these characters, and it's very contemporary, sort of 1990s. And um, It's got reality TV in there, and it's beginnings. It's got people's concerns about the environment with this group called Women Against Surplus Plastics, or WASP. You know, it's got all this stuff. We're jogging around mm. in our contemporary life, in a city, big city we know. Who wouldn't want to read that?
0: But here's the problem. You and I know that already. Mm. You know we're we're on board. Yeah. You know we're we're, mm. we're we'll turn up at the launches. We'll buy the box
2: and give it a go. We'll,
0: we'll give it a go. Mm. We'll try and recommend it to people. We're we're invested mm. for a different. So the conversation we're having now, we almost don't need to be having because. Mm. But you know mm. you know maybe if someone hears it and thinks oh yeah I'll I'll expand my. Mm. But the worry is people hear it and just think, oh, what a couple of snobs. <laughs> you know that's, yes. the, that's the that's gonna, know, that's the reaction that's going to that's the reaction gonna come from, from know, it rather than... You're absolutely yeah. right, because there yeah. I that little
2: rave I did about Kirsten's. I'll do it to yeah. some people. Well, we've done a, a couple of yeah. gigs, and I'll talk about it to people. And you see their eyes, and they're getting that, that scared look. Oh, my God, mm. she's going to expect me to read it now. Mm, like, mm. What? They're thinking, I don't want to read that stuff. And it's yeah. like, ah, it's crazy. But I like, I suppose... Um, it is that thing of maybe getting it out there more, getting it more in the, the people's world, you know, view, so they can they can make a decision mm. on reading it or not, and mm. perhaps risking a bit more, giving it a bit more of a blast. But in the end, it's a bit like with poetry, I see with the hoopless series, I thought I could attract more people in by dint of the series, by, yeah. dint, you know, like how people lock into a series, they yeah, yeah. It. Um, by the fact that they're together, they're colourful, I yeah. even put these little Circles on the front with a kind of word to attract their yes. attention. yeah, yeah. I've taken them off this year. Right. i got a slightly negative thing about it. I I was just like, how can you, poetry isn't popular. It's yeah, only this, yeah. not me, cool. this, it's this not... tiny percentage <laughs> yeah, yeah, of people who yeah. read it. Yeah. So what was I thinking? And I guess it was a lesson. Yeah. And what it is, is in the end, poets read poetry, poetry. Yes. And there are others who love poetry. yeah. Uh, the slim number, on top of the slim number, they, re- they read it. And um, family and friends will yes, venture into yes. the book.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, sometimes a bit perplexed, but they'll still venture. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's you can't make it what it isn't. Um, but you, what you're hoping is that your reading public, the, the core people who regard themselves as good readers, mm. are willing to give New Zealand stories a go. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want.
0: I don't know, I mean, I... You know, I've always read lots of poetry, but I've read, oh, oh, I guess I've had periods where I haven't so much, but this year I've read more than I have in, in years.
2: Because you're doing
1: this?
0: No, no, yeah. I don't think it's got anything to do with, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I guess I've interviewed a few poets recently, so obviously I'm going to be across their work, but I think this stuff, I mean, I read Chris Teese's book. Because I and, and I loved it and yeah. then that's why I wanted to have a conversation with yeah. him. It wasn't it wasn't oh panic, I've asked him to do it, I better read his book. <laughs> and you know, and same with you, I you know, I read you book. know, oh his book's amazing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and so it's more been that, it's actually been, you know, and actually it was the same with um well oh, it's been the same with loads of people, but Sarah Jane Barnett, like the other year, I love I yeah. quite I you know, I, I really liked her first book. And uh, and and then well, like both of her books. Yeah, and, yeah. and and but when the second one came out it was like oh yeah I want to um, I actually want to get hold of her and talk to her mm. so I'd met her once mm. and it was like I want to have a big old chat to her so, so no I don't think it's got anything to do with with that particularly because because you
1: were
2: reading I remember when you showed early on with the Hoopla series I think right at the beginning you showed interest in
0: that oh yeah yeah which I really
1: appreciate yeah no
0: I've always kind of I I, I look forward to I look forward to it I look forward to you know it's taught me about some people and then and then there are names that I did already know like in terms of the Mm. graduated steps of it there are names I already knew and it's nice to see them do something different or check back in with them Mm. and then it's introduced me to some people and you've done some yeah yeah, there's been some experimental stuff there like um, essentially, like full narratives, yes. right? well, you know, d- big that long. Was the
2: Jennifer Costa. Exactly, yeah, yeah, was yeah. I love a long yeah. poem, right? Yeah. For me, it's just heavenly. I don't know yeah. why I love it so much. But like a, a novella length, you know, poem, mm. um, crazy thing set in the 70s. It was fantastic that mm. I loved that poem first. Mm. She was long listed for the mm. Occam's, which I was delighted about yeah yeah but you so you but you see of course you're a poet though
0: simon well no i don't know about that but i
2: well you write poetry well i i write which makes you a poet
0: i guess so i i'm always it's a bit like saying you're a dj i never feel comfortable doing those you know things i'm a Mm. a person who likes writing things and i'm not sure if i'm a poet or not but i do have a bit of a dabble yeah, and know,
2: they're good, if, and I've read them, and I yeah. like them. I think, you, you similar to me, you like a poem that tells a story often. Yeah. You know, it's got I a mean, yarn. Often, yeah, it's... I, I
0: do. I, I certainly do in terms of the ones that I'm trying to do. I, 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 in terms of reading, I like uh, uh, other things, but, yeah, I do. Mm. That's definitely something mm. I, I go towards. I just, I like to have a bit of, I guess I like um, poetry that, doesn't take itself too seriously, too, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, you know? have yeah, a bit
2: of fun with that thing. A bit
0: of fun, and yeah, it is interesting that thing, though, like, because I, you know, I put my poems up on Facebook, really. I put them up on my site now, and I put them up on Facebook, and I just sort of rotate them, and I share the same one every now and then. In different... It's interesting to see different people connect with it. You know, yeah. I pu- put one up, you know, and then I might put it up again in a, a week later or, or several months later, and I never sort of yeah. say anything about. When they were written or whatever, and it's interesting. You'll get people go, "Oh, this one's really good. you know you'll, you'll obviously it's poetry, so you'll get deafening silence for the most part. But mm-hmm. then you, but then yeah, you'll, but yeah. then you'll get someone go, "Oh, I really like these ones yes. you've been writing lately, and it'll be one I wrote twenty years ago. Oh, so you know, I've, right. you know, you know, like when you're saying that the one that you've got in that book that's yes. from eighty uh, three, yeah, uh, yeah. I've I've put a poem up. <laughs> a couple of times and had people go, oh, I really like this one, and I really like where you're going lately with this, and it's one I wrote when I was in high school. And oh. it's and it's the only one that I think I would ever share from when I was in high school. And again,
2: it's that but different poems, yeah, different work will yeah, speak to different people.
0: Exactly. And so but, that's the thing I find interesting about it, is but just it, seeing I the... I
2: think, you see, you're putting your poems up on Facebook like that. It, it's, it's sort of like drawing a line in the sand, actually. You're, mm. you're saying... You are saying you're a poet. You're saying this is what I'm writing. There also isn't with a need for mm. these things we write to get them out, yeah. Somehow that's and get true, people actually. reading them, yeah, which makes them fully what they are. Otherwise, yeah. they're just something you've yeah. expressed. For it to be a poem, for you to be a poet, I do think you need a readership. So you're just mm. so like putting it out. I see. I when I wasn't writing enough poetry and I was worried about it the fact that I wasn't Mm. I started a thing called Tuesday Poem with Claire Bainon who's a poet and an artist who lives in Dunedin I'd never met her we just met Mm. online she loved poetry too we met through other people's I that's right I'd started my blog Oh Audacious Book which is madly still up there and I was posting poems I'm pretty sure that's how I started it um just a poem a week on a Tuesday calling it Tuesday Poem and then we Slowly this grew and we ended up with about 20 poets, if not more, Mm. all posting their poems on a Tuesday and and we we then had a hub site which would link to all these blogs and Mm. it became bigger. But what was great, it was so encouraging because Mm. then you either got a poem out and dusted it off, had another look and put it up, you wrote something fresh or you posted someone else's and it Mm. just kept the energy and Mm. the focus was brilliant mm. i loved it and i sort of feel like in a way with that with facebook you're doing a similar thing it's keeping it yeah in front of people. i just I, I i don't
0: know how i fell into doing that i think i just started doing it as a, a bit, bit of a gag and these things just find their own you know mm. I mean fuck I take photos of road cones now and I don't know why I do that, I've but, seen that. but you know the the, 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 m- the more number of people that ask me the, the less likely I am to tell them why I'm doing it and then you know now I've got people telling me that they've started taking photos of road cones or that they've started noticing them and I still <laughs> and I still don't know what I'm trying to say with any of that oh. but I'm enjoying it you know I yeah. think I think that's the thing is you know it goes back to the absurdity of being human and having a bit of fun with stuff, isn't it? Yes. I mean there are you know, one of the things I, I think I probably started trying to set out to do by sharing the poems was I got sick of people saying, um, oh, I wish you'd you'd actually create something rather than just knock people. And it's like, well not oh. not only you know not only have I written heaps of <laughs> rave reviews about people and interviewed people, it's like, well I have done lots of writing so fuck it, I'll start putting it up. Yes. And uh you know I don't mind if people think it's shit and want to say it's shit because that not everything works for there everyone. There is that.
2: People yeah. may not like yeah. stuff that's so
0: hard. So, that, no, you know, I don't have a problem with that because I've, yeah. I've had my say about other people's work. So yeah. I think that's kind of probably how it started. Uh, and then it's just kind of carried on from there that, oh, well, I'll just, you know fill a space and put something up and see if, it, see if it it is kind of very much throwing stuff at a wall a Facebook wall and yes, seeing if that's it sticks true. that's really all yes, it is yes
2: that's true you know? but it, it is a thing when um, a poem starts getting read um, it then, then becomes more firm in itself it's like it's kind of it's, mm. it, it exists for sure yep. but then when people read it it becomes you know an entity as such the poem oh, yeah. that they've read about say if you've written about yeah. son like Sun or yeah, whatever yeah that's there and it's and it's got this other life around it
0: now because they've read it and put their own stuff on that's very true and I mean I had Bill Mannhire sitting where you are a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and he uh, he read some poems and you know I've met Bill a few times and I've read his books and seen him read but he started out and read something and then he referred to it as a you know that's kind of a garden variety Bill Mannhire poem and it's it's kind of like it was kind of like a greatest hits of poetry. You know, it was like (laughs) if if I could have, you know, it's sort of like Um, if you're at a concert and you yell out, you know, play Satisfaction. You know, it it. was kind of like that, you know, and I wanted to start yelling at him, you know, play (laughs) (laughs) Wingatui, you know, (laughs) you know, read this, read Um, this. And he sort of was, and it's kind of like, it's amazing, right? Like it's amazing when someone's of that level with that depth and the work, yeah, the work means something to me. Yes. In a way that he never planned or expected and, and would never know in some cases, until, except I started sort of gushing yes. at him about favourite things. Yeah. But, you know, how cool is that?
2: Yeah. yeah, he's fantastic, Bill. Yeah, I feel like because I was... Yes, he had me in his class all mm. these years ago. I've mm. always looked so closely at what he's producing and it's such a range and he was so experimental mm. it was back then in those days and then moved into other areas.
0: But still so... Um, um, enigmatic and, and yes. you know, mercurial. You know, there's, there's such a weird magic about his, yeah. his very best work and that no one else could ever do it at all. Exactly. You know?
2: Singular, isn't it? Yeah, that? yeah. So you've got the, yes, you, you there, a poem will be trotting along doing its thing, yeah. often, unpredictably, yeah. and then suddenly it will do a swerve yes. and it's right up in your face or in your heart. I yeah. do think that with his writing. Yeah, it's totally. utterly... Beautiful. And it's
0: about the sound of it as much as it's yeah. ever about the meaning. You know, there's a, yeah. you know, I think probably, you know, he's, he manages to get both, but mm. yeah. It's, a real
2: playfulness. Yeah. I love that one about the ladder that longs to be yes. lifted. For yes, example. That's an example of that. as yeah, it? Who yeah, can make yeah, yeah emotional poem about a ladder Yeah. man higher
0: yeah yeah that's right it's all <laughs> you almost could believe that he's got a list of things that no one's actually been able to do this yeah. so I'll I'll he work through that like list it. except yeah. except that wouldn't be how he would work at no. all you know no yeah um so as we've had a we've had a pretty big chat is there yeah. anything else that you want to um put across or should we wrap it up
2: i think we're good i feel like we've, we've covered we've done, we've done
0: heaps an because enormous you number because of you've done heaps and so we've we've yeah, sort too of, many
2: bits maybe it should more focus it would be good but then it wouldn't be me and i don't yeah i just mm. i quite i feel like i'm eminently distractible really but but having said that <laughs> It's funny how when you talk, we're talking to you and thinking about things, there are always these threads that are there mm. and they don't go away. Mm. Like even that music one, when it dipped away for a while and oh, well, came back. You know? I was
0: going to say to you roughly two hours ago that, uh, you know, it's interesting that both of your parents have a sort of connection to words that's quite multidisciplinary yeah, and therefore true. so do you. You know, like, you know, in terms of, you know, readers, writers, writers of different kinds, Mm, um, mm, broadcasting, and then you've been involved in all of those areas mm, in
2: different ways too. So words on the page, words performed, isn't it? Yeah. And words in book form, which is critical in some way when you talked about it makes Mm. you a real author doesn't it makes you a real writer makes you a real writer there you go
0: Goodly. is there a poem that you want to read to finish that we haven't yeah yeah i could do that yeah
2: probably should can i read sycamore tree yeah okay this was about my writing and that period when i wasn't writing so much i had young children and it wasn't happening in quite the way i wanted it to so it's called sycamore tree See me, see me by the sycamore tree, each child a propeller, sorry, each child has a propeller and is throwing it up and the dead seeds spin and spin and spin and they shriek my little ones and pick up another one and another one and spin and spin and spin. Sorry, I was right at the beginning, each child is a propeller and I stand at the still point on the warm path And the world spins around me, shouting and hooping and spitting, its ends tied up in its beginnings and bits and pieces lost in the spinning. And I know you're watching from your house by the path with a desk by the window. Today we've stopped right in front of you, but I can't move the children on, not while they're spinning like little propellers, like little worlds, falling over and gulping and laughing and spinning again. And I know you're watching and the kids know too. There's the witch they say turns us into stories. And I see you where the light settles inside the glass and I have no idea what it is you write. But I wish I could see those whole words, those complete sentences laid out neatly on a page like seedlings and soil with all their beginnings and endings and tendril possibilities curling into the air into the cavities of walls, the attic, the roof. I can sh- hear the hush around you, s- smell the coolness of your room and how I long for the feel of that pen in my hand. I pick up, and I pick up, a handful of seeds, throw them higher than the children can go, faster than the children can go, and the children whirling fall over themselves and over me, and they shriek and they shriek, do it again, do it again, and I'm maddened with the spinning and the shrieking and the sun and the warm path and the seeds and my hands and the vegetable love I have for them, and I want nothing else, nothing else will do, but something happens with the sun coming through the leaves, and falling on the glass, and I see your face in the window, lit from brow to chin, stretched in its own wild shriek, not bent over your writing desk, but looking at the children there, looking at the turning children there, and I throw the sycamore seeds one more time, as high, as high, as high as they can go. And I wish.